Legend has it that you and Krasinski during lunch used to have epic Madden battles. Every day. My memory of our epic battles when we could choose who we wanted was he was the Patriots, and weirdly, I was the Chargers. No one could stop my Gates play. I would scream to him as I was throwing Rivers to to Gates. Gates play! (laughs) (laughs) Just he would take that seam right down the middle and I would loft it over, touchdown every time. Welcome to the Green Light Pod. Cowboy Reed is in Mexico, so y'all are stuck with me. Today, Chris, Macon, and Bad Back Backy talk about court storming and Cam Newton. Then Brian Baumgartner, aka Kevin from the office, joins to talk the Green Bay Packers, fantasy football, and the enduring popularity of the office. Then Bo Allen joins to break down the interior D-line prospects in this year's draft, and the guys propose their ideal college football road trip. Enjoy. All right, big pod today. Honestly, one of my favorite guests we've had in a while. Yep, I mean, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. We've been needing a guest like this. We've been doing so much football. Well, we talked about football a while, but Brian Baumgartner from uh, The Office, you know him as Kevin Malone from The Office, uh, is a huge football fan, a Packers fan, a Georgia Bulldogs fan. We're going to talk to him about a fantasy football league that him and all The Office members uh, have participated in for the better part of 20 years, actually almost 20 years. Uh, we're going to talk about shit. I mean, my favorite thing was hearing about him and Jim playing Madden back in the day. Like, there's a lot of great football crossover with The Office, but also just digging into the show a little bit and what it's like being Brian Baumgartner and a guy that everybody sees as Kevin Malone, but there's so much more to him. His podcast is awesome, off the beat. I was on it a couple weeks ago. Just a great guy, dude. The, the type of guy that you're like, I could drink a beer with this guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, uh, and interestingly, kudos to us, you know, pooping the potty. He was the first one to bring up the words, the office. Yeah. And I thought that was, uh, that's cool. Yeah. If you can stick the landing on that, that's good because I'm sure after a while it gets tiresome to just have the entire outline be the office if you're Kevin, Kevin Malone from the office. And next time he comes on, we can not even discuss the office, be a good yeah. conversation. A no office pod. Great dude. Um, okay, so we've got that. And then in the tail end of the show, we've got Bo. St. Louis, Missouri. Hello, hometown of Mackay Wingo and IDL in this year's draft. That's a great job. Uh, tying it back to the segment that I'm trying to describe to the people at home. What we're going to be doing every Monday leading up to the draft is we're going to have Bo on in the C block, as you know it, uh, in lieu of a mailbag and that type of thing. We're going to have Bo on to talk about a position group uh, in this upcoming NFL draft. And naturally, the Butter King is going to start with IDLs, interior D linemen. Uh, there are some exciting ones, but not the deepest class in the world. I mean, maybe a deep class. I couldn't speak to the depth of the class, but not the, the most top-heavy class in the world. Like, there's not a lot of guys in this class that I'm like, yeah, that's a game-changer right away. There is one guy in particular we did talk about in that light. Save it. This is what's called a, um, what do they call it? A tease in the business. 
So I'm not going to tell you who that is. You got to stick around till after Brian. We also pitch a couple road trips in 2024 that we will probably never embark on, but they're fun to talk about <laughs> in the college football world. Uh, I think it's it's high time for us to take this show on the road and, and do some college cities. I mean, we did that last year for Tuscaloosa, and it changed my life. You got the uh, the banner for the, with the big A, the script A, right up there behind Macon's head. That trip set the tone for our kids. It did. Now they're going to be Alabama football players, and it, it feels good knowing They don't that. have a choice. They don't have a choice. Um, so anyways, that's all coming up. Layup line today. I want to send this one out to Reed Dickerson because mm. I think he's, uh, he, he's, he's on the road. Like, he didn't really tell anybody what he was doing. He just kind of ups and leaves when he goes on vacation. He's not like, hey, I'm excited to go on this vacation. On, like, Friday, he's like, hey, everybody else is going to be handling the show. I'm like, all right, <laughs> where are you going? <laughs> he didn't like, put a two-week. No, well, I'm yeah. sure the, the powers that be know, but, like, me, I, I you know, barely have a calendar. Um, I've been doing emails a lot lately. I'm getting into emails. Nice. Yeah, I was just, lengthy. Just gonna say a lengthy email. Oh, these guys love more information here. They they talk amongst themselves. Chris just you know he doesn't tell us shit, and then I send him a three page email and they act like it's the Odyssey. I you know like I have a little brains. I have a, <laughs> I have a little bit of scar tissue on this subject. I once wrote a very lengthy email about production of the show and ideas and such <laughs> that did not go read by anybody <laughs> that it was sent to. I read yeah. it, and uh, we should oh. pull that one up again. Okay, yeah, all right. Um, so, anyways, um, Reed's on vacation. We miss you, Reed. I guess he's in Mexico at somebody's wedding. And this weekend, I had a great music weekend. It was raining all Saturday. I sat up in my office with the door open uh, and just kind of listened to the rain, listened to some Jimmy Buffett mm. unintentionally, just coming on my shuffle. Uh, saw Led Zeppelin uh, cover band Friday night, Zozo. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, and, yeah, I really sunk into uh, to uh, Jimmy Buffett while I was watching the Arizona Cardinals play football. I'm going one team a week. Listen, if there's any Arizona Cardinals fans out there, in summation, at some point, I'll close the loop on this thing, but not a lot of talent on defense. You're gonna need to, you're gonna need to load up on that side of the ball. Let me just say that. But there's a couple guys I like. Fourth pick and twenty seventh pick. Yeah. So it's been, it's been, it's not like hunkering down and watching Roquan Smith and Jadavian Clowney and 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 Kyle Hamilton play football. Like you really have to grind that Arizona Cardinals tape. The Cardinals defense reminds me of some of the defenses that I was on early in my career with less vets because things are different now. So like when you're a high draft pick and you come into a defense that's kind of void of talent, and there's some good players, don't get me wrong, there were some really good players on that, that defense, better players than they have on that Cardinals defense, but they were veterans. They don't have those guys. You know, the oldest guy on that team's like 28, I think. So yeah, young team, team that needs to load up on defense. I'll talk more about that at some point at a later date, but that's team number one. And I had Jimmy Buffett going, and the song is This Hotel Room. They got an air conditioner for when I'm hot, a radiator for when I'm not. They got two big chairs sitting side by side and a holy Bible and a TV God. A TV God, TV God, great God Almighty, it's the TV God. That was really good. Yeah. I love that. I love that part of the song. I just, well, I was supposed to play it while I was doing it. Sing it. You better. I think you I'm basically Jimmy Buffett. I love Jimmy Buffett. Here's the thing about Jimmy Buffett. He's kind of like a reverse John Elway 
or something. He's like a guy that like you didn't know half his career. John Elway in the <laughs> 90s is the same thing though. John Elway in the 90s was like kind of shot physically. He was not the same player he was. He was still spectacular and the helicopter touchdown and all that stuff in the Super Bowl. But when you hear somebody talk about John Elway that watched him play in the 80s or played against him like my dad, he's the guy that without fail, he comes up as one of the most talented quarterbacks to ever play the position and played it totally different in the 80s in that era than he did in the 90s. Jimmy Buffett, to people my age, he's just Margaritaville. Now, I went to a Jimmy Buffett concert with Jeff Fisher and, and uh, Dave McGinnis, uh, assistant head coach of the uh, St. Louis Rams, and William Hayes uh, in the beer line for, for a Jimmy Buffett concert with a bunch of uh, Margaritaville-looking motherfuckers and William Hayes. I did not enjoy the show that much because the new Jimmy Buffett music is just, it's a little bit more commercialized. That guy knew what he was doing. But when he was younger... If he'd have stuck on that path of being like a songwriter, kind of country singer, I think he'd be talked about in the light of like some of the all-timers. Now, I know we talk about him in the light of like an all-timer because of his business acumen and because of his brand, but the music was tremendous. So, Son of a Sailor, Pirate Looks at 40. Come Monday. Come Monday. You could, I could, we could do this for days. We won't because you got to go out and check out the old Jimmy Buffett you got to hear it to believe it. It's not what you think it is. Well, and now he's dead. <laughs> Marketing genius, though. Why do you have to do that? You have made me think about Jimmy Buffett dying. Well, I, there isn't anything new coming. No, there's nothing new coming. So <laughs> that's good. That's a good. That's a good point, Macon. Sorry, man. Um, We're all gonna die, Macon. No, you know no, like he made it. Speaking of getting old, do you know this? This is a thing that well, you don't know yet. I'll tell you. So I got a trampoline at home, right? We got this big trampoline. You know, it's like, it's going to be a game changer for the family. We're all going to jump on the trampoline. My wife's going to jump on the trampoline. We're going to have a great time. We've had it for three months. My wife hasn't jumped on it once. Okay. Now, why is that relevant? Because I asked her and she said that I'm afraid some women, as they get older, I don't know if you guys knew this, they pee their pants mm -hmm. on the trampoline. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, it's big like thing. a thing. It's a big thing. Is that a, a, especially after kids, man? They it goes through a lot. I didn't know about yeah, this. Yeah, so she's like, I don't want to find out. But what's the big deal? I think it's the bouncing. It's most no, but what if a little pee comes out? They can well, jar something. Who wants to piss their pants? You don't want to pee your pants. It's mostly pants water. It's sterile. I used to be in high school. I used to be terrified because we had to wear khakis. Sometimes you're done, and you think you're done, and you're not done. Yeah. Then you go into then you got to splash a bunch of water somewhere else to avert eyes. Yeah. Not as bad as getting a boner in class. That used to happen a lot. Yeah. I can't relate to that cuz I went to all boys high school. Yeah, but no, I wasn't getting was... but you weren't getting a boner. You're horny, huh? I was just getting a boner. No, no, I, well, I can't like, relate to getting a boner in class because I didn't have to deal with it. I know, but I wasn't getting a boner because of something I saw. I was just getting a boner. It just happens when you're that age. I take like, and then you got to get up and dissect a rat in front of the fucking class, <laughs> and you got a boner. What are you, like, are you doing? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, oh yeah. I uh, I was stuck on Kevin's intense heterosexuality. <laughs> <laughs> He's so straight. It, it is intense. It's, yeah, an, intense, it's an intense. Yeah. Totally off the table for me. He's so yeah. straight. But I hey, just I'm out of this one. I don't know guys. if you guys knew that thing about trampolines. I didn't. Yeah. You got to watch out. You yeah. know what? Roller coasters, too. Really? Yeah. Yeah. They, it really, the roller coaster triggers it. That'll get them. Yeah. Okay. Big time. <laughs> All right. Good to know. All right. 
Guys, um, obviously, if there's one thing we're going to talk about in the sports world having nothing to do with football, it's like some of the biggest news in sports, and I think it has to do with like keeping our athletes safe, right? So I wanted you to take a look at this. This is a story from this weekend of a woman uh, that falls into a net at Top Golf <laughs> in Little Rock, Arkansas, dude. Have you not seen this? No. So if you're sitting at home, you need to Google Little Rock Top Golf. I'm pretty sure this is the only thing that comes oh, up. The way it was explained to me is Top Golf is multi level. I've never been because we don't have a fucking Top Golf in this podunk town. I bet they have one in Knoxville, Tennessee. More on that later. <laughs> Uh, but this, this lady, I mean, for God's sakes, they have a fucking top golf in, in Little Rock and we don't have one here. Anyways, what happens is there's this woman, she's caught in a net, uh, and in the net is like dangling 15 feet above the tee box for a group of, of golfers. And I didn't realize, I thought she was like climbing the rafters and was fucking around and she got what she deserved. But she was just swinging the club and fell into the net. <laughs> and that's why the net's there. Okay? She and ain't she, getting out. She might still be there. She feels like a, a fish in a net. Dude. I really don't know the fix there. No, they got to cut her out. They got to cut her out and lower her down. I think you got to cut it. <laughs> it's just an and she's a, I watched this. She needs thing. a trampoline. I, yeah. Trampoline. Yeah. 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 That's the least of what could happen here. But she's in a panic, man. It's, and I got to tell you. Uh, pictures don't do this video justice, um, or my words don't do this video justice. So you got to look up woman falls into safety net at top golf in little rock, Arkansas. That's the wrong state abbreviation, by the way, Cole. Yeah, that's Alaska. Yes, correct. All right. That's a true pickle. I mean, look at the guy up there molesting the net (laughs) as if he's going to be able to do it. Making it it. just a little more taut. Maybe she can climb out. Poor gal. I mean, that's unbelievable. There's so many more jokes I could tell here, but I'm not going to do it. It really is a cat in a burning building situation. You need to bring out the We'll put the, the link the, to the this video trampoline. in the podcast so you can watch along with us somehow. Because I, I'd like is, to know the final verdict of this. Yeah, fly like, on the wall. What happened here? I need to know what happened. Is she okay? Is she okay? I want to have her on the show. I want to ask her if she's okay, uh, if she plans on suing Top, top Golf for... for uh, for what's the what's the thing Jan- emotional damages yeah like the more she moves the more, the more it gets angled like she is. it's just like don't move baby that's we- the idea i mean that's not a skipjack <laughs> <laughs> all right wow. all right I- now to the to the real topic of player safety which is the duke incident man what i mean like everybody's seen this at home, and I just want to say as my thesis statement, I'm not going to do the thing where I blame the victim because it's Duke. Part of me, 20% of me wanted to be like, yeah, fuck these guys. But a player got hurt because a bunch of fucking students rushed the court and trampled him. It was like bulls on parade. Now, I know he might be extending his arms. Or in his leg. And this is Kyle Filipowski. This is the guy from Duke, the very tall guy from Duke. They got upset by Wake Forest this weekend if you don't watch college basketball. Fuck, dude. There are players on the court. There's there's players on the court. There's players that are getting off the court. Duke's Duke's down by four with 1.8 seconds to go. They're going to inbound the ball. Wake Forest intercepts the ball. Okay, so the game's over. But there are students at the foul line coming yeah. off the baseline before that clock hits zero. And Wake Forest at the end of the game is like, 
hey, we, we probably should have done better on this thing. Like, this ain't like missing a, a deep ball in a game or like fumbling a snap. Like, this is not something that happens in an instant. This takes planning, right? And if you're playing Duke, isn't part of the plan to beat them? And what would happen in the event that we beat them? So are you telling me that you had no intention of beating Duke? Or worse yet, you thought you might beat them, especially at the end of the game, and did nothing. There's not a security guard in sight. Now, I know we love fucking court rushing. I don't want it to go anywhere, okay? I know you got people on TV that are like, oh, it's court rushing. It's been... I love it. I love it, I love it, I love it. But I don't want one of these student sections to be the reason that we do not have this, this toy anymore because this is one of my favorite things in sports, but there's a way to do it without this bullshit happening. Arm the players. <laughs> hey, it could have been a guy with a tuba. Like jousting? I, uh, perhaps. Yeah. I, it's unique to college sports. It's great. We can't do away with them. Uh, court storms should be safe. That's yeah. doable. Yeah. And they should be rare. My biggest problem with this court storm, the Wake Forest Demon Deacons were favored by two and a half points. <laughs> That's wild, dude. I didn't know that. I didn't part. know that. They either. were favored. Shouldn't be, I didn't know that. Shouldn't be rushing so they were supposed to win. Now they're two games south of Duke in the ACC standing. So why were they favored? Is somebody hurt for Duke, or they're just no. as good about Wake's good. tough at home. Wake's, Wake's very good. So we are rushing the court as favorites. Yeah. Okay, I have multiple issues with this. We, we may need to institute rules. Well, here's the rule, okay? Now, I've, I was on Reddit, and I saw some people throwing out some pretty – like, everybody at some point thought of the idea that maybe there should be a countdown, like a Carson Daly-type countdown. You know that players have a certain amount of time to get off the court, 15 seconds after they're off the court, you can rush the court. I think it builds the intrigue. It builds the suspense. It builds the, 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 the energy. You know, the, these students are just, they're, they're champing at the bit, make. You got to get out there. They got to wait for Carson Daly or whoever counts down. Like a different guy at each school can count, count it down. I don't know what Wake, for, Wake Forest alums, you get Tim Duncan, to, you know, right? No emotion, 15 second countdown in baggy jeans uh. up on the screen. And then they all run out there, okay? Now, if you don't follow this protocol of the countdown, now I heard somebody on Reddit say build a wall at, in front of the student section to make them pay for it, <laughs> which is really good, uh -huh. okay? But I thought maybe like some banisters that come up with like, you know, a fence for fuck's sake, but then you, you put the players at risk because if they run into the fence and they get hurt, then we've got a problem. Okay, here's the solution. Okay. Because finding universities is not going to do anything well, to change what these kids do. For sure. Okay, these kids, once they're in the student section, if it's not loads of security, they are going on the court. It's happening. Okay, we can wait for the countdown. But even so, you've got drunk, idiotic kids um, that are going to run on the court. Here's what needs to happen. There needs to be a punishment that these kids actually feel. Okay, I thought about, like, if you make contact with a player, your GPA goes down a full point for that mm -hmm. semester, mm -hmm. okay, uh, making you effectively Chris Long, <laughs> you know, or I think this one's even better, and I think there's actually something to this. If your home student section violates the bylaws here that will be enacted over the next, hopefully, calendar year, all the bars on campus are closed that night. Yeah, yeah. Think Very about good. that. Because if you want to talk about something that these kids absolutely don't want to go away in the shadow of a massive victory where you're favored by two and a half points and it's the <laughs> Salem over Duke, or say you actually upset somebody, 
You want to party. That's what it's all about. You don't want all the student athletes side eye and you, frat boy, because you made contact with Filipowski too early. You don't want all the bars and the businesses. Like, you can't go back into a bar if you're that kid. Like, Kev, no one would I, have I just fun can't there. get on board. Counterpoint, you bar owners. Well, you're a bar anything owner. you're saying. You're a bar Who's owner. Who's paying for that bar then? Okay. The, so the, now the school. That's where the course. fine comes that's in. That's where the fine comes yeah, in. Yeah, that's good. So, so, so in that fine, there is a certain pool of money that goes to the school to recoup the losses of the, the, the bar. Now, as for like, you know, the dudes that are working at bars that are hoping to like hook up with a college chick that can't help you there, buddy. Should have uh, thought about that. Yeah, you should have thought about that. <laughs> you would not want to be that kid that closed the bar. So there is something there, but there needs to be compensation for these businesses. Yeah, but that's going to come in the fine. Okay. So imagine that every bar in Wake Forest on Wake Forest Street, you know, downtown there, <laughs> the, the five bars they have down in Winston Salem, um, they got to shut down that night at like nine o'clock or something like that like so you get your business right after the game but then all the bars closing you know exactly why it's because these douchebags ran on the court before the the game was over it's a pretty simple thing if you're smart enough to get into an acc college you can't wait until the the players get off the court let me tell you what should happen is the fucking duke guy get off the court dude no, I agree with you. Like I, I but no. it is what it is, and this is a this is such a part of the college experience, and I guarantee a lot of those kids are going to remember that. And I'm fine, but it, it is what it is. It is what it is, and those kids need. And Duke knows that when they get beat, whether they're favored or not, these kids are rushing the court. Well, while I and this guy, with you. And, and 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 with him and his when he had the uh, the press the uh, post game, he said this is personal and all. I didn't see that. I did, it's, and it, it's it no turned more... me off even more to the point where, like, just you're going to get bumped, you're going to get hit. I've I've seen guys get bumped in a in a Listen, terminal dude, more than that. I, I, Come I, underst- on. I understand, but this is also like you talk about a program. There's only five of these guys on the floor at any given time. This is one of their best players. Like this can alter the course of a season. Now you could argue, did he initiate contact or not? But he was still getting trampled as he was like falling over, and they had to get people to, to extract him out of there. Like like it was a fucking like it was Tropic Thunder or like Forrest Gump. He's 6'10". The guy that hit him is 5'5". Yeah. I understand. So, like, I, I just don't have a lot of sympathy for the guy. guy's a fucking giraffe. Win the game, then. Win the, the game. A, the guy's a giraffe. It's impo- He can barely walk as it is. You got 40 co-eds The guy's like the three. Like, he plays like the three. He can walk. You see his footwork when he got hit? He spun yeah, around. But this isn't basketball. He's clumsy AF when the buzzer goes <laughs> off. And so now you have all these motherfuckers running out there, and I get it because I watched the other guys, and they all knew to run off the court. And I'll say this. Each of these situations is different because I just want to say, and this isn't like, this has nothing to do with any, any gender or anything like that. But Caitlin Clark, I don't feel the same way. Because that situation, there was way more space to get off the court. And she put her head down because she was frustrated, maybe that people were fr- rushing the court, and just ran right into somebody. And she right? didn't like, say a that, word That in person's the also in, in the wrong, too. You know, like, just having her head down. Like, everybody has to have spatial awareness. This is a different situation to me than Caitlin Clark because there's no room for him to move. And these people are coming in hordes, like, fast. They're a bunch of demon deacons, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so if the bars got shut that night and they couldn't go and this douchebag was to blame, he'd probably transfer. It's really – it's an event staff issue. Now, I root for a program, the despite its many haters – 
has made it and hasn't uh, stormed a court in about 11 years. Last time they did it was against Duke, and you you had probably 20 people in yellow vests, arms interlocked, letting the, the team leave the floor. You just have to let RMC events get onto the court before the kids get there. Yeah. And that's where your countdown clock comes in. Well, Wake Forest fucked that up. But I do think in general, we've seen this before. Back at NC State like 10 years ago, a guy in a wheelchair, he was an NC State fan. The NC State fans rushed the court. He gets knocked off his wheelchair. I've seen the footage. He was like, yeah, I'm rushing the court. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it was like, no, you're not. You're just on the ground. Yeah. And, you know, like when you think about the safety concerns for like just students in general, they're opting into that situation. I get that. But when it comes to players, like this is the very reason we're at the game. You could affect the outcome of the rest of the season. You know, you really do have to be careful with these guys. Um, so I don't want to see court storming go away, and I don't want to see a, a group like Wake Forest be the group to end it. I mean, just figure it out, guys. For fuck's sake, if we don't change anything, just get the RMC guys down there. Yep. My, I, I have yeah. about a 60-second uh, storming the Capitol joke that I couldn't get to work. All right, try but it. Just, I, it uh, try it. Documents show that an unquantifiable number of Wake fans were convinced that representative democracy in the United States was not only in decline, but an imminent existential danger. This belief translated into a widespread fear of democratic and societal breakdown, which in turn motivated hundreds of Wake fans to travel to Winston-Salem from far corners of the country in what they were convinced was the nation's most desperate hour. Other common reasons for breaching the court included participating in an event of historical significance, engaging in peaceful protests, committing acts of violence, and participating in revolution, civil war, or secession. Like the Wake Forest situation, these people thought they were, uh, they were America's underdogs, but they were actually favorites. <laughs> there you go. Two and a half They were laying two. You're white people, dude. White people are laying 12 in this country. <laughs> <laughs> like, like you... Come on, you're rushing the capital because, you know, you didn't even win anything. <laughs> so at least Wake Forest won something, That's and good. they were favored by, like, you know, That's good. 6X less. That's good. Than American whites. <laughs> <laughs> that was the most. You want to talk about a, an unjustified storming? <laughs> you were so even so, underdog. So, so, so January 6th, was, they were minus 12? Yeah, they were like <laughs> minus 350. They blew like a 3 1 lead. Minus bro. 350. <laughs> we rolled out a 91 year old. And beat you guys. <laughs> I have a storm. I have a storm. I can barely talk. <laughs> Trump should pull a KD. There you go. Yeah. Segway. Iowa, oh, yeah, Michigan, Iowa beat Michigan State in probably like 01. And Iowa fans stormed the field because we weren't very good. And they beat Michigan State, who I think was top 10 at that time. My buddy Johnny Pissetti <laughs> got a piece of of one of the uh, one of the uh, equipment guys from the Spartans, and I saw this from a distance because I was walking. He ran, he came from behind, flipped up the ball, a Michigan State ball, caught the ball, and then ran all the way home. <laughs> he had a <laughs> He still has the ball. Oh, that's so good. Dude, it was. What's his name? Johnny Pissetti. Johnny Pissetti. Johnny Pissetti. JP. JP. Oh, is he one of the best hecklers in the game? One of the most impressive. One of the most impressive things I saw in the college football season was the Duke field storming when they beat Clemson. 
I didn't think Duke fans had it in them, but they were on that field in <laughs> two seconds. So, I mean, we can't let's, – yeah. let's stick with the storms. Yeah. Accidents happen. But only if you're a dog. <laughs> but you have that's, to be an underdog. That's a real that's, – that's I do. That has to be kind of – That's kind of leader. Part of the – Listen, we're talking about fans. Making allude to a segue when I brought up KD. I just want to talk about the, the deteriorating – barrier between fan and player decorum the decor no really we i've said this before i think we live in a generation of the biggest babies sensitive people but also the most aggressive people all in the same person dude you know we have no respect for anybody i hate to sound like an old guy but this generation is the no respect generation it's the generation no respect it's the generation of hectic uh, but it's also the generation of really frail and sensitive all at the same time. And it drives me fucking nuts. And, it, and nothing could be encapsulated better than watching. Now, I know this isn't a young person. This is just a fan. But KD running in the stadium of the night, a grown man calling him a bitch and expecting him not to do anything about it. And when he he rolls up like two seconds later, not only is his lady friend doing the most painful dap like <laughs> dap uh, proposal of all time but also kd like standing there like what's up dude you called me a bitch and the guy begging him to be his friend like groveling and trying to pull on some empathetic thread about how he is a sports podcast newsflash there isn't going to be a common thread that you guys are going to be able to 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 circle up over after you call another grown man a bitch in 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 public okay we don't take well to that okay and sports fans just seem to be in a mood lately where they can do whatever the fuck they want. And any pro athlete has had some sort of a situation like this. Not any, but many of us have, where somebody says whatever they want to you, and the minute it's like this, they're, they're, they totally change their tune. And I, I watched that, and then I watched the Cam Newton thing this weekend, and I'm all over the map about the, just the disrespect in today's society. But... Long you a hoe! I, can you imagine me going to a Julius Peppers camp and jumping Julius Peppers? Can you imagine any young person going to a, a camp that Julius... And I know it's Julius Peppers, but you should check the fucking stats on Cam Newton physically. Oh. Not a good idea either, okay? Like, I think don't, don't get the quarterback thing oh. twisted because I think Cam Newton in high school was stuffing people in lockers. When I've seen Cam Newton fight people, I want to give Cam the benefit of the doubt here, but I've seen him in arguments with, with, with young people before. He was at like another camp, and these kids are like going at him like he's another person on X, dude. That's not another person on X. You don't get to be Skip Bayless. That's, a, that's an MVP in the National Football League. You will, chances are, never accomplish anything close to that guy, yet you are disrespecting him. Likely the very reason you're at that camp, you see it as an opportunity to, whether it's gain clout, talk shit like you're online, fucking have a story to tell about, I punked Cam Newton, I said something to Cam Newton, I jumped Cam Newton. Are you fucking kidding me? Your life ends now. Like, you will not do anything after this. This is the apex of your existence. Congratulations. You are on film trying to jump unsuccessfully a former MVP in the NFL. Whatever got it there, it's emblematic of the lack of respect we have. When I said, seven, hey, seven-on-seven seven camp, more like seven-on-one camp, mm -hmm. okay? And Cam Newton, I've noticed this, whether he was fighting Josh Norman or a bunch of kids at a seven-on-seven seven camp, 
When he fights, people are in dream fight mode. They move slow as fuck. He is perfectly calm. He has done this before. And I also think when you know nowadays as an athlete, cameras are going to be out. Like the minute you get in an altercation with somebody, if you're a public figure, cameras are going to be out. And so that means one of a few things. That means you might get your ass kicked on camera. You might have to beat up a guy on camera, which isn't a good outcome either. Um, and all types of things in between. He managed to stick the landing on the three most important things. Number one, don't get your ass kicked. Number two, don't kick their asses. But number three, make it abundantly clear that you have the upper hand physically over yeah. these high schoolers. And yep. he was dog walking yep. this group. I don't know if we need to rebrand that question. Everybody asks, how many fifth graders does it take? <laughs> like, how many ninth and tenth and eleventh graders or college kids or just young adults does it take to take down Cam Newton? He was dog walking this guy by his backpack. I have never seen a backpack become more of an, uh, a disadvantageous <laughs> piece of gear in a fight in my life. And, I mean, like, it was incredible. And, and he stuck the landing on this thing. But I hate the fact that Cam Newton has to, by the way, in a wizard hat, like a fucking Gandalf but, hat. It didn't move. It did not move the whole time. Like, uh, th I this guy. <laughs> I, I, I went back to the Wizard of Oz. I got a scarecrow feel from him with the hat. It was incredible. It was like it was incredible, and I just I, I just say this like we can talk all about like, and I know I'm being abstract and I'm just all over the map and I'm complaining about fans and I'm complaining about young people and I'm complaining about court rushers, but for fuck's sake, man, have some respect in 2024. Here's what I think is the problem with the whole thing. It's right there on the flyer of the seven on seven tournament. The real issue is in the name, dude. We ball sports times Dynasty U seven on seven tournament at BEST Academy. How about you're going to have to earn it tournament at, I don't know, nobody gives a fuck about you yet, Academy. <laughs> like, how about something like that to drive home the fact that there is an untold amount of work, discipline, aptitude, and respect that you're going to need to exhibit to ever make the money or the memories or the impact that somebody like Cam Newton has. I can't stand that this stuff even happens. I can't stand that now that barrier is being broken down. It's great to break the barrier down between fans and players that we feel like we can have a conversation online with an athlete or to come up and say whatever we want to an athlete and put them on, a, on camera and all types of stuff. And I love the fact that Cam's mixing it up. Cam deserves credit for going back and trying to do a camp at all. Like, he's done a lot of great work off the field, and I, and I tip my cap to him. But at the end of the day, Cam Newton is a grown fucking man, Okay. And grown men don't like being punked, and grown men don't like situations like that. And if you think that that, because you think you're at the zoo, and you could just, like, observe the animals, you've jumped in the enclosure now. And I kind of wish Cam would have dusted those cats up even worse. But what Cam knows is the three rules. Don't get your ass kicked on camera. Don't kick anybody's ass on camera. He didn't even throw a punch. He was just judo judoing these guys dude he was like using their force against them just manhandling and the third thing of course is make that abundantly clear that you have the upper hand and it was very clear to me that he did i don't know if we're over analyzing something but i think it's it's just emblematic of a time we live in where it's like we ball sports times dynasty u seven on seven tournament at best academy you're all full of shit dude the multiplier i like the multiplier U sports has gotten so full of shit you know who i blame Whoever's coaching these fucking kids. And I think it might have been some of the coaches that were involved in the jumping. And, and if they're coaches, 
Yeah, they looked like kids. Bro, you shouldn't be coaching kids anymore. No. And you did look like kids. <laughs> like, maybe they're not high schoolers at all. You know, and maybe not, none of the high schoolers My didn't. understanding is at least two of the guys were youth football coaches. Okay. Well, and, and if a kid jumped in or whoever it is, young people, people that aren't Cam Newton, have some fucking respect, man. This guy's down here. He doesn't need to be doing this stuff. The reason we have the video is from the assailant, one would gather. Like somebody just didn't randomly time this video. It's probably like, hey, I'm about to go do it. Yeah, like they just, like, well, I think there was a scuffle. There was some sort of scuffle going on. And then Cam's like, and then you see people punching Cam and it's not affecting him at all. And he's, this, this, he threw the guy in the backpack so far. There are multiple camera angles of this. Yep. Like it's. It's incredible and, and tragic at the same time because I just think like when you meet somebody like Cam Newton, maybe just show him your respect. No doubt. Ask him a question. Ask him how he got there. I, like what the fuck are we doing? And why does everything have to be conflict? Why does everything have to be so goddamn hectic in this day and age 2024? Every time I open up the browser, it's a bunch of hectic, confrontational bullshit. It's like this is the currency now. Is like I got to win everything. I got to punk Cam Newton. I got to... Man, just fucking run a route and shut the fuck up. <laughs> run mesh and shut the fuck up, buddy. Like, get an autograph and keep it moving, player. <laughs> That's Cam Newton. <laughs> he won the Heisman Trophy and was this close to winning a Super Bowl. He won the most valuable player in the NFL. You're playing touch football. You've organized a bunch of kids to run around and pull flags off of each other. Get back in your fucking Honda Accord and fuck off. That, that reminds me of one of the funniest things I ever heard. Uh, <laughs> run a route and shut the fuck up. Run a route? <laughs> just run mesh and fuck off, dude. What? Cam is 6'8". Like, what? I mean... Bro, he's like, one of the strongest football players that I ever played against. I, I, th- the grip strength on this guy. I really do want to see him, what he was like in high school. I think he was literally stuffing people in lockers. Hey, don't think, just talk. What color Gatorade is that? Oh, that's a green Gatorade. Okay, all right. All right, so anyways, I just rant over, but it's like... You know, I, I feel like these kids nowadays, which, you, yeah, like you said, we sound... I'm mad at everybody. But with with social media they have access and there's more access and these 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 players and these celebrities are out in front of people and they're seeing yeah. things where back in the day that wasn't happening and, and and I they feel like they're more connected to them whether it's good or bad yeah and they feel like they have a right to comment on certain things i don't even... talk, and, and it doesn't and it goes back to respect i think that's a great point where, where there's just a lack of it just have some fucking respect man i don't know how this started for anybody it doesn't maybe, need to be maybe cam started i don't know i don't know but everybody's got to be so goddamn hard okay you're at a flag football camp that's not the guy to be hard with nobody's seven on seven sorry you don't even have to grab the flag <laughs> You might as well just be in a Play 60 commercial. What the fuck are we doing, dude? Anyways. Here's Brian Baumgartner. Yeah, dude. Here's Brian Baumgartner, a man of respect who would never argue with Cam Newton. Not ever. Not once. So without further ado, 
Brian Baumgartner. He's he. I feel like we're friends now. I went on his podcast. We really hit it off, and then we missed each other in Vegas. Brian, we were catching up. You were at the Gronk Beach party. How was I, Vegas? I I was. I, I mean, I felt like you were avoiding me a little bit. I mean, we had big <laughs> plans. We were going to hang out. Yeah. I ended up seeing your producers and not you. It was really yeah. weird deal. Yeah. I felt like you were avoiding me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Gronk Beach in Vegas. Well, how was that? Who would want to be anywhere else? Yeah, how was it? Uh, it was entertaining. I tell you, it was it was entertaining. I look, you know, I I don't even know what supposed to go to these things means, but like there are some things I feel like I'm supposed to go to, I'm supposed to show up for. And I went thinking I was going to leave. Well, first off, I walked in right behind Gronk and his his brothers. Yes. Which Oddly, I had done that one other time before, which was on an ESPY's red carpet. I had showed up right behind the Gronk plan. This goes back, clan. This goes back a few years. And they started doing the wheelbarrow on the red carpet, <laughs> like grabbing each other's legs and letting them wheelbarrow down. And I was like, well, clearly I'm out of place here. Um, they're big, strong way. boys. They're big, they strong very, boys, those Gronk boys. Very strong and exceedingly energetic, the yes. Gronk boys. Yes. Um, I, uh, I, I, think, I think he and Kelsey are attempting to not only prove who's the greatest tight end of all time, but who has the most energy and can party the hardest. Yes. I feel like that competition is going on at the same time. Well, I think Jason wins that competition. I know he's not in the competition because we're just talking tight ends, but do you right. see how drunk clearly Travis is at these parades? I got to tell you, Jason Kelsey would have blown like a 2-0. Like he would have blown a GPA at our, fucking, <laughs> at, our, at our parade, but he delivered that speech with eloquence. Yeah. So I think he wins the contest. He I, claims whoever... he had 25 beers I... and was 5 out of 10 drunk. <laughs> I do not <laughs> doubt that either. I do not doubt that. I don't doubt that. Those Ohio boys, man. Um, yeah. So I wanted to talk to you about one place where they're really good at drinking. Green Bay, Wisconsin. You're a yeah. Packers fan. Uh, yeah. We talked a little bit about this on your podcast, which is wonderful. Uh, and I can't wait to circle back to that whole thread on jobs and what you did before you made it. But um, I... I I wonder how you feel about the old Brian Baumgartner as you remember lamenting the draft pick of Jordan Love as you're up 9, 10 points in the second half against the 49ers this year. Well, look, I – wow. You know, I haven't had to answer these tough questions. I thought I Rich Eisen with you, you Chris. Yeah. I thought we were friends. I get on Good Morning Football. They don't ask me these questions anymore. Now, here show. you come just – Boom. Hard hitting. Um, look, I, I will say what I what I said. I, I will not stand down from the comments that I made, which was that the situation was just handled really poorly. And uh, look, I think that there was a time where not only were they looking for this transition, but the leadership of the Packers believed that this transition was going to happen much earlier. Mm. Um, Aaron's numbers for a couple of years uh, had, had dipped and there were questions as to why that had happened. Um, and they drafted Jordan 
and they didn't communicate, and they were in the NFC Championship game knowing that they needed playmakers to take that next step. It was very clear that year, yeah. and or the year before, the year before the draft. And, uh, and instead of taking a playmaker, they, dra- they traded up to take Jordan Love without communicating with Mr. Rogers. I still feel like that was a bad decision. Now, I think further, based on the Packers' own comments before the start of this year, I think that they were not sure what they had. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, I agree. So so the fact that I didn't know when I know one-hundredth of what the guys who are there know – you know, I, so I can't really apologize for that. But, I mean, look, he's looked great. And, and you know what I was talking about, too, in the playoffs? He does, He looks and sounds like Aaron now. Yeah, he does. Like, it's a bizarre. I mean, even yes. that, like, green 18, green mm-hmm. 18. Like, it's like, oh, my God, where, who's, who's behind center right now? Like, <laughs> yeah. what is going on? Yeah. Uh, some of the uh, some of the plays that he makes also looks like him. Some of those back uh, back foot uh, throws yep. uh, look like him. And look, that makes sense. I mean, I understand there's a lot of reasons um, that people need to play their quarterbacks that they draft early, early. But I mean, you look at the Green Bay Packers and what's happened, and you you hear all this stuff, particularly out of Chicago, like. Man, now it's three in a row, three guys in a row who are going to kick our ass for the next, you know, 20 years or whatever. I can't believe they get so lucky. And it's like, well, guys, they did have both Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love sitting and watching and learning mm-hmm. for a few years. Yeah. And these other organizations ha- have gotten into a place where they believe they've got to draft and play the guy right away or the general manager is going to get fired or, you know, the coach is going to be fired. So we got to play these guys right away. They're not ready. And by the way, if they're drafting high in the first round, their team was shitty to begin with. So they probably don't have a strong offensive line. Mm -hmm. They probably don't have pieces in, in, in place. And so it's just a recipe for disaster. And so you get to a situation and I, I, by the way, I have no comment on this. I have no idea where you get three, four years in and you're like, can Justin Fields play? Well, right. Like, I, what do you want the Bears to do? Looking yeah, at them you, as rivals. Yeah. Well. Yeah. But what do you what do you know? And I just said, yeah. uh, how, how do you know when they've been lacking so many pieces? I yeah. I don't know. It's just granted the Packers have had someone who could start. Yeah. When, when they've drafted these other guys, uh, that's been fortuitous. So they didn't feel like they had nobody, and they had to play these guys, but. It's still, I'm telling you, it does go to like, if you look at looking at a team culture-wise sort of globally or Mm -hmm. by the decade as opposed to by the year, uh, they seem to be getting that, they seem to be getting that right. No, they are. And, you know, two things can be true at the same time. They're not mutually exclusive that we could all sit there and scratch our heads looking back at it. Because I was one of those people that was like, what are we doing? They're just poking the bear like Aaron's had it. And this yeah. is like the last straw. 
And yeah, you could not do that communicatively and that can be a big problem, but it can also eventually be the right move even if for the better part of the last three, four years you had no fucking clue how good the guy was. You know, because I think the jury was out as, as late as mid-season. I can remember you guys playing Minnesota this year. Yeah. And the offense that you ran in that game, to me, at Green Bay, was like a preseason offense. It was like, we're not even trying to see what this kid has. And I think they reached a point last year that were, where they were like, we have to figure this out. Oh. And the minute they flipped the switch and were like, let's loosen the reins, I don't know what happened internally, he looked like a franchise quarterback to me. And I, I don't, I'm not going to move off that spot. I know it's a small sample size, but I really like the guy. Well, look, I, to, to echo your point, and geez, I think this was later. I think this was November. We have to look it up. I think maybe the first week of November, I actually was in Vegas live for the Packers game at the Raiders and had remarkable seats. I'll just... It, it's it's kind of the first time in a long time where I feel like I was in a stadium in seats where I could actually see things better than on television. Yeah, right? it's a great stadium. Like I, it's intimate. I was like, and I'm not. This is not like a humble brag thing. I just got lucky. I was sitting right about the fifty, kind of up. So it's it, it was almost like my view was like the television you know, where I could see everything side to side, but also I could see more than the television allows me to see. Mm -hmm. Like I could see, you know, running back, running out on the wheel route or whatever. That's just an example. And I was seeing so, they, they looked horrible. They looked <laughs> terrible. And they, like, it wasn't even, like, I was like, he's right there, yeah. Jordan. Like it yeah. felt like. He couldn't see the field. He wasn't making the right decisions. Yeah. He was forcing to his first option. You know, there was like all of these things. And then something happened between then and I, I don't know. It may have just been like two weeks later. But the the Thanksgiving Day game. Oh, it was incredible. Was, uh, was unbelievable. Nobody unbelievable. kicked the Lions' ass like they kicked the Lions' ass that day. Nobody yeah. all year. Well, the, the Ravens in Baltimore. But... Nobody, and it was such an intimate opponent, it kind of signaled to me like, okay, you don't have this division on lock the way you might have thought you did. So like Lions fans, they've got a lot of enjoyment over the last two seasons. Very much hopeful, very much like, oh, this could be ours. Aaron Rodgers is gone. Right. <laughs> it's like, well, behind door number two is this kid that just kicked your ass on Thanksgiving. <laughs> and I feel like from a team-building standpoint, they have what it takes to stay in it. But you got a Georgia Q-zip on. I don't want to be... Do. Yeah, so... Football life is pretty good for you right now, I'm assuming. Uh, you are from the, the Atlanta area, and this confirms what was going to be my next question. How into Georgia are you? So it's a, it's a weird one for me because I did uh, – I went to school uh, at SMU, Hail to the Red and the Blue, the Mustangs mm -hmm. of SMU, just joining the ACC. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Which is, November. Which is, November. Yeah. We'll be here in November. We'll be here. Come on. Come, come to Where? Scott Stadium. Good SMU Charles. at Virginia. Come on, road trip, man. Oh, that's man. right. They yeah. are playing at Virginia. Wah, wahoo, wah, the dumbest cheer in the history of uh, Okay, Southern sports. Millionaires University. You're uh, the only school that might be more pretentious than UVA. <laughs> By the way, do you know that the uh, – ours is Deadman College. The, the, this, is, this, is, this goes – I can't even believe I remember this. Uh, 
the dome, like the the main the center main building at SMU, modeled after yours. No right. way. That they is have a true. rotunda. The rotunda. Yeah. What do you call it there? Rotunda? Well, it's that the Greek rotunda. revival architecture yeah. with the big columns. And the problem with Greek revival is it looks very good old, but when people do it now, to me it looks like shit. Right. You know what I mean? So I don't know what, what year you guys put that dome up. I'm sure there was plenty of funding. There was plenty of funding. We did it. We <laughs> How did rich it. are kids at SMU? Like, we did. is it what <laughs> they style. say? Is it just like people just burning through money, driving Ferraris to class? Like, what I is didn't. It? I know you didn't. I didn't. Well, I don't know that for sure. Well, I didn't. You don't I'll strike you me that. as that kind of guy. No, I, I didn't do that. Um, but, no, they – well, so as you, have, as you have mentioned in a negative uh, way, they have a lot of money. But what that means is they have, uh, as a big positive, and for me and the reason I went there, they had a lot of money that they used to support the arts. So they ran their arts program like Alabama, like Alabama runs their oh, wow. athletic department. You know, they recruit people in, um, you know, theater, dance, all, all of the, you know, sort of performing arts. Uh, they take it very, and, and the visual arts, uh, as I understand. Um, so that's why I went there. But um, growing up, like my seven, eight-year-old, nine-year-old self. And continuing, I grew up, born, raised in the Atlanta area. I would spend uh, weekends in Athens for the University uh, of Georgia football games. And that was, honestly, that was my first true sports love. Now, probably because the Braves were terrible, the Falcons were worse than terrible the hawks they had a little run with dominique wilkins there but you know they could never beat boston then uh then mj um but georgia was good i mean this is like herschel walker days um, so you just missed pony express so at SMU? I, no i'm not that I'm i just not, wanted to make sure i've I'm by, by how many years old. by eight I'm to ten years that old <laughs> i am not uh, no so you're talking pony about herschel express walker. had happened Pony Express had happened. I was probably, and I went back, and I couldn't ever specifically remember. I was probably rooting against SMU then, uh, when when because that was that was early '80s um, when when you know Eric Dickerson and Craig James and all those guys were at SMU, so they were probably up there in the top five. Um, I think they were in the top five, like the year Georgia didn't win with Herschel, maybe junior year or something. Um, Anyway, so I, but that was my first love. And I had lost contact with the University of Georgia, like the athletic department. I didn't know anybody there. I had moved, obviously, a long way away. I had gone back for a game just sort of randomly at some point, wanted to take somebody to an SEC football game. And, um, but then Josh Brooks, their newish athletic director, somebody in the athletic department, when he got the job, and he had been there, for a while, he got the job to be the athletic director. They sent me a message and asked me to. He was a, he is a big fan of the office, and he asked me to. They asked me to send him a congratulatory message from me to him getting the job. So I looked at you know I was like oh this is fun and I you know did the whole go dogs thing and got all excited and I don't know I guess I was in a good mood that day. Anyway, 
Josh releases it and it goes like viral. The fact that I send this message goes viral. And then he somehow gets a hold of me and says, anytime you want to come, any, 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 anywhere, anytime, you're my guest. And so I was like, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I've been sort of back now uh, into the program. I've gone to at least a game or two the last couple of years. And um, it's, been, it's been really fun. You know, that reminds me of when we went down to Tuscaloosa, Kevin. Yeah. You know, like uh, my, my first love was Virginia, but the first time I really felt that atmosphere was this past fall. We took a road trip okay. down to Tuscaloosa to watch them play LSU, and we got a Bama flag in studio. The SEC football is just a little different. You know, yeah. it's just, it, you know, like the whole atmosphere. Different. Yeah, and so what we're trying to do now is, is plan a couple trips in the fall that we're going to take. So, like, have you been to other college towns in the SEC? I hear Athens is, like, number one, or Oxford is up there. Yeah. Tuscaloosa is obviously in a league of its own. It's beautiful. Tuscaloosa, it's not as good as Athens. Let's be cl- <laughs> let's be clear about that. Though there are a couple of away games that are very intriguing this year. I mean, if if we did not have a twelve team playoff in college football this year, man, I, I I don't even know what would happen. I mean, Georgia has to go to Tuscaloosa, and we'll be there to uh, Austin. For Texas mm. joining the SEC. Now that So you let fun. me know. I yeah. will meet you yeah. there. We're going to scout Austin out. We're going to South by Southwest uh, in a week to do some nice. stuff out there. So we're going to scout out Austin, and we'll look at maybe week five, Georgia-Bama, but also possibly Austin. Uh, Brian, do you gamble in real life? Because obviously Kevin Malone was a big gambler, and you know, for people to find out that you're actually a huge sports fan like the second question for me is, are you also a degenerate gambler like the people on this set? Uh, I like to make a wager every now and then. <laughs> Talk to us about the kinds of wagers you like, Brian. <laughs> what's, your, what's, your, well, what's, your, what's your drink of choice? Well, look, let's, let's, just, let's just be very, very – I was at – I was in Vegas. Now, partly mm-hmm. I was in Vegas. Partly it was the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, partly it was – I had no – dog in the fight there mm-hmm. with the Chiefs and the Niners because of uh, recent-ish decade-long history with the Niners uh, okay. and my Packers. Let's just say I'm not a Niners fan. I hear that. Uh, but I, I, I made a... I'm, I, I was a big Chiefs fan on Super Bowl Sunday. Let's just put it that way. So were we, buddy. Congratulations. Yeah. So were Thank we. You. We had a Thank great you. day, didn't we? We had a great we had week. A great day. It was great. great and there were day. people saying, hey, Mahomes is not the same with this team. We had to just block out the noise and make the smart play. Yeah. You know, if they give you a couple points with Mahomes, you take it. You t- yeah, you know? if anyone gives you 10,001 odds, you take it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, no, oh, that's great. I, no, so uh, uh, this is... This is actually not a humble brag. This is a full-on brag. I think, so there's six games, four games, two games, 12, and then the Super Bowl, right? Thir- yeah. So 13, 13 playoff games Yeah. Uh, prior to the Super Bowl. This is, now, this is true. I know a lot of people brag, whatever, and I don't care if you believe me or not. I'm just telling you it's true. I might believe you because it might have happened to me too, I had gone against the spread the first 12 games, yeah. nine and three. If I'm counting the games right, I had, I had three losses. Two of them were Mahomes 
against Buffalo. Okay. I bet Buffalo. Yeah. And Mahomes against the Ravens. See? I bet the Ravens. See. And I was not I was not going to do a three-peat. Yes. On that. I was just like, okay, I'm done. I believe. Like, whatever. The regular season apparently doesn't matter. I don't care. Uh, I... But I'll tell you what got me nervous in Vegas, like doing the the radio road deal and the walking first half around. of the game. <laughs> I thought what? we were going to lose the first half of the game. Oh, well, I was like, oh shit, game, everybody's right. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, no, doing the radio road. My experience was everyone was picking the Chiefs, and the number wasn't changing, and they were still an underdog. And I was like, Vegas is smarter than me. Mm-hmm. Vegas, know. they know they're gonna they're gonna rake this. But um, no, it was a good day. They took a bath the week before. They just the Vegas don't quit. They're just going to do what they're going to do. Yeah. So I guess the the interesting question because I just mentioned Kevin uh, as a character, but like you, there's so much more to you than Kevin. But I feel <laughs> like you. everybody just knows Kevin because it's such an iconic show, and you were such a big part of it. And like you, I mean, we grew up with you. It wasn't like we were kids, but in your 20s and when you're like matriculating into the real world, the office is very. It was it, these were we were in college, for us yeah. Right. So, you know, I, I I wonder. You got a whole generation of people who probably come up and they're like, "Hey, Kevin," you know, like, and they're is that a pet peeve or do you enjoy, you know, being a part of something like that? Because I know it's easy for for me to say, "Hey, it's great." Like, yeah, people know you as Kevin Malone, but like, there's a lot more that you're interested in and have done. Does that ever bother you? Well. So, I mean, this is sort of a long answer, but I think to to your first point about like growing up with me, you know, I I think that sometimes television is like sports in a way. And I've gotten to know. So like I was, you know, I was a a big Braves guy. And when Smoltz and Maddox and Glavin were there and I was rooting for them, but I was in high school at the time. Right. Well, now I've gotten to know them through golf Mm-hmm. And I realized, like, they were, they, they, mm-hmm. they had lives and were were on television every day or whatever, and, and you know, larger than life to me. They're, like, kind of my age. You know what I mean? Right. So when you're, like, watching sports sometimes and you think of, of you know, especially now, like, college guys, you know, you're like, oh, God. Like, you have to remind yourself, like, they're, like, 17. Yeah, I'm like, a fan of a person that was, a, like, a baby, a couple years back. <laughs> right, right. That's a fucking weird thing. Um, so here's the thing about The Office. It is, to me, the the only show in the history of television, um, if you can think of another example, no one's been able to yet, that actually got bigger and more popular once it was done. Mm. Right? So and I'm not talking about like a cult, weird kind of, movie that suddenly becomes like hot later on and becomes like a a thing we were winning emmys like you know the screen actors guild award was last night you know we were you know we won that stuff and we were nbc's biggest show but we were coming off of friends seinfeld and when we were on we were not that like we just we just categorically weren't the network didn't support us that way we weren't you know, spoiler alert, I wasn't on Vogue, you know, or like Cosmo every month or what this wasn't, this wasn't what happened. Um, so the show just got bigger once it was done with the streaming, it fit really well with streaming. And so, you know, as a long way of answering your question, 
it, you know, I, it's hard to blame people who, you know, get excited about that or, you know, call me Kevin or whatever. I mean, I have guys that I play golf with, like guys who are like, you know, guys I play with once a week, whatever. And, you know, I'll be on hole 12 and hit a good shot. The guy will say, like, good shot, Kev. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, fucked it up. And it's like, and, and, and just, like, because they call me they in their brain somewhere there, like, Kevin still exists. And I don't complain or, you know, I usually don't say anything they'll realize it or someone will go dude you just called him kevin what are you doing and then like a whole later they'll be like hey brian brian keep calling me brian <laughs> like, like i don't care i don't yeah. i don't care well yeah george takei has been going to star trek conventions for 50 years making yeah. bank like there are worse things yeah to there's be good things for the greatest <laughs> tv show in history <laughs> right exactly right. but like what when this is released are you going to go and look to see if we've said interview with brian baumgartner or interview with kevin from the office does We're that bother brian, you by the way hmm you my guess is you will do a combination of both to make hmm. to make sure people get it yeah. Um, it's, it, you know, I think because of some of the stuff I've been doing the last few years, there's, it's much more Brian now yeah. than it used to be. But it's weird. Um, <laughs> I have this conversation all the time. I don't know if this will make sense. This might be too, like, meta Try or something. Us, dude. We are meta. But, meta like, what will happen is in situations like what you're talking about, and I'll exaggerate it, will be like, the guy who spilled the chili, Kevin Malone <laughs> from The Office, which, which they'll, they'll do this whole thing, and yeah. then I'll appear or, yeah. or whatever. But what I always tell people, and this is a, especially when I tell people like in the, in the branding world, in, the, in the, you know, the products world, whatever, is like, guys, they either know or they don't know. So like <laughs> explaining it for 30 minutes, like giving these little like insider, like, uh -huh. oh, you know, he spilled the chili and liked to gamble. And it's like, well, they, they either know who I am at this point or they don't. They don't. And so those little references don't do any good. Yeah. So that's the, that's the one thing where I do get like, come on guys. Like, yeah. Let's be smart about this. Well, we're not going to do that. But nope. there are questions that we want to ask. The first one would be, because we're talking about sports, is it legit that you guys have a fantasy football league that's lasted, I don't know how long I heard, 19 years? Uh, 100%. It's 18 or 19 years. I mean, I would have to get the, the stats for you. But no, that's legit. We started it. Um, so it wouldn't have been year one. So it would have been like year two. Um too much so going on I'm gonna one. I'm gonna say like if you could if you want to do the math so it, we've been doing it since I would say 2004. Hmm. So what? That's yeah, it's about that's 19. Years. Then yeah. I think we just finished 19. We used to it used to take us like a week to 10 days to draft. Untraditional. That is not very. <laughs> we had a um, you know a yellow you know like because we were we were on a set of The Office. A yellow legal pad, you know, that flips up with the pages, and that would be pa <laughs> that right there. That that thing, that would be passed from desk to desk. 
So, like, I've never done it, gone back to some of those early seasons and stuff to see if I could ever see that on somebody's desk like mine. And so they would pass it around, and you would, but maybe you were literally shooting a scene at that moment, or it was lunch, or Mm -hmm. you, it was your turn, but you, for whatever reason, got to go home early that day. So it would take us like a week to 10 days to draft. There was no time limit. No Um, auto-drafting. No, 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 no. Like ESPN that. database to like check on <laughs> you know? what Jericho Cotri is up to. Well, <laughs> like no, you, that, you... But, but that was the thing. It was like once it was your turn, yeah. you could be like, okay, guys, yeah, I'm just working on this little thing. I'll get, and then you would just look at every player that's out there. <laughs> you would have, you know, an an hour to decide who you were gonna gonna pick. And then I'll tell you this: I haven't talked about this too much. I, this was this was maybe only a year or two the computers they worked on the set and at least one or two years we once the draft became like you could draft we would yeah. sit at the desks like after we were filming yeah at night or whatever and we would we would do the draft there oh that's so great who's what's the punishment have you guys ever had a real punishment never because we have a league that's crazy that's what it's all about i know yeah i don't know maybe i don't know and I guess maybe this this like dates me age wise or something. I don't know if that that was a big thing back then when yeah, we no. started it. But what about for year I, twenty? You guys got to do something. Well, we, we had a guy on a billboard for like seven months uh, <laughs> who lost. I, I set up one of those like legal uh, ambulance chaser chaser billboards, <laughs> and it was like, if you want fantasy football advice, don't call Michael Lewis one eight eight lose. And it was by the airport, and I forgot the motherfucker was up. <laughs> So it stayed for a year. We've had guys die in their tips. Um, uh, I think we posed this year that we wear the new. You got to wear the new Trump shoes for like a couple months if you. Oh, is that right? So, yeah. So, so there's a lot of really dicey punishments that we've rolled out, and I just wonder if for year twenty you might. Who, who's actually good in your league? Well, so I think the reason, I think, I think why they why they end up dying is because. You know, you got people who are not into it. We are, we are. It's a serious thing. Yes. Like it, we, everybody takes it seriously. But back to the like no punishment thing. I will say this too. I don't think we have changed what the ante is in 19 years. So oh, it's great. also sort of embarrassingly small <laughs> yeah. at this point. Bucks. Uh, you know, it's a little more than that, but it's not, you know, it's not like it, we haven't, we haven't grown with inflation. It's just sort of stayed yeah. the same. It's not like the salary cap in the NFL. Yeah. Um, um, but we, yeah, people take it very seriously. There are a lot of texts we do now because now we've got guys who live everywhere. I mean, I don't, I don't live in Los Angeles anymore. So, but we we have the like zoom happening at the same time that the draft is happening. So we can kind of, you know, talk shit with each other. And, uh, it's, it's good. I, I will tell you this before you ask, cause, um, I think we looked up this stat cause we talked about it on my podcast. I think this was last year. I have been to the quote unquote, uh, super bowl of, of our fantasy league more than anyone else. I've never won. Wow! No way, dude. Buffalo Bills. That was wow. that was never won. 
Actually, that was that, me for a while. That's why. That's why. <laughs> and I, I, it's hard to talk about because mm-hmm. I understand what was happening was more significant. My year to win was um, uh, not this year, but last year. And the, uh, the Bills-Bengals game that got oh yeah um, everybody got yeah it was crazy it was like oh i feel terrible about the sport of football but and nothing happened in my fantasy league (laughs) yeah uh brian chris is the guy in our league who does not set his lineup and Uh though this looks a little better today he drafted little known Romeo Dobbs. I've been drafting Romeo Dobbs for what before feels like his five rookie years. season in about the fifth round. Okay, but he keeps he keeps getting better and better. Next year, it's going to be right on time. the The bug that Chris has caught is Madden, and legend has it that you and Krasinski during lunch used to have epic Madden battles no every day in every the mid aughts. No way, every every day. Okay, give me your styles of play. Well, so now, now this is we're going. This is years ago. Now you have to you have to remember that. Um, and now I like I feel like I buy it every year, and then I don't really have anyone to play. I don't know, dude. Like, you got me. You got me. I am going <laughs> online like, and like finding a friend. That just seems so. I'm way too old for that. He's shit. right here, dude. He's right here. <laughs> I'm right. just telling you, dude. I got the. I hadn't had the game since college. Okay. I got it like a month ago, and I'm so impressed with it. Although there's glitches and bugs, it can't be perfect. It's a fucking great game. You can run RPOs. You can you can it, you can kind of like coach your team for emphasis. So next year's is not out. So you're, you're you played this the is right now. Yeah, this is twenty three or twenty four. I always get it mixed up. It's like cars. I'm like, okay, well, it's okay. two thousand twenty four. Um, but me and my brother Kyle play almost every night. But Kyle's like too fucking cool for school. So a lot of nights I'm sitting there waiting with my controller <laughs> while he's playing Hell Divers or some nerd game. And I'm like, dude, I want to play some Madden. So I got to get your gamer tag, and we might we could set up a game. Yeah, I I mean I you don't have, have the that. game. I I don't think I've ever done it but no we would Let's play every single day at lunch every yeah. day so uh, this was so he's a he's a he's a boston guy so i would say that the like um our like go to this is serious matchup was he would be the patriots and weirdly i would be the so this we're looking like you know what are they late aughts, aughts. right? So like the you know eight, you know six, seven, eight, nine, yeah. you, mm-hmm. right in there, and 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 moving in. But my my memory of our epic battles when we could choose who we wanted was he was the Patriots, and weirdly I was the Chargers. Oh wow! No yeah, one could it... stop my Gates play. I would scream to him as I was throwing Rivers. To to Gates, Gates play. (laughs) Just he would take that seam right down the middle, and I would loft it over. Touchdown every time. But have you done this yet? This was this was this was this this was like we were we were children. I can't believe I I don't I don't think I've ever said this. We would take our finger and hit the the down arrow, Mm -hmm. and that it was random select who you were. 
Oh yeah, we oh, still yeah. we do random selection. You do, yeah. So you yeah. hit the thing and it goes, and then you'd have to stop. You end up with like the Cardinals or the Lions in two thousand. Yeah, but then we would just like children it would be like, oh, that's not fair. Let's do it again. <laughs> right? I don't does that now. <laughs> yeah, of course, it's course. It's like I'm not playing Panthers <laughs> against the, you know. He did that Niners. last night. He had an eighty-five overall, and he was like, "I don't like these matchups." Um, <laughs> All right, well, well, who's the uh, who's who's uh, out of the whole office cast? Who rooted for the shittiest team in real life? Well, I mean, my least favorite team on the planet is the Seahawks, so I guess I could say Rain. Rain, yeah, he's a big but Seahawks they had fan, a run, huh? Obviously, what? Yeah, they, they they were our rivals. We went up there every year and got our asses kicked. And I was a follower of Rain on like Twitter, and I'd see him tweeting about the Seahawks, and I'd be like, oh, could you not? Yeah, <laughs> just I fucking know. yeah. I mean, they're the luckiest team in football. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. For that Is stretch that... there, and you guys were victims to that in the playoffs. Are you kidding me? I still have nightmares about it. Michael yeah. Bennett riding that around NFC, the fucking the field NFC on a bicycle. Game? Yeah. Oh my god. Let That's me terrible. just let me just throw the ball as high as I can, and suddenly someone is there. <laughs> I'm telling you. Let me let me do an onside kick in the last two minutes of a game that never works, and somehow it's recovered. It's like video game stuff, for real. Um, yeah. All right, so I want to talk to you about your podcast, uh, Off the Beat, which I went on, which was awesome. It was really a good time. Obviously, you're a great conversationalist. May I? Yeah. I listened to some. I listened because I'm a big prep guy, as you know. Yeah. I wanted to hear Brian's big podcasting big chops. Prep guy <laughs> went pee, went potty in the toilet, and I swear <laughs> doing to you, his work. Brian was so well prepped himself, and it gave you room to answer questions, unlike I've heard you answer. Yeah, it was fun. It was such a good interview. It's a great pod, dude, and and I just think Thank you're a good you. interviewer. And you know, I mean, just case in point, what else do you do besides your your main gig? Like, you're also a great interviewer. You got a podcast, and I wonder who's your bucket list? Like, kind of, you know, if I could get this guy on, that would be amazing. Oh, that's interesting. Um, well, so look, and, and I, this is not me trying to sell. I'm just going to tell you this is this is the truth. I mean, what I uh, thank you for saying that. By the way, what I like to find out about because I feel like it informs those moments. I mean, one of the like log line things I say is like plenty of people are asking people about winning an Oscar or winning an Emmy yes. or winning a Super Bowl or whatever. And so not that those things shouldn't be mentioned, but for me what's really interesting is 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 looking at some moments that really got you there or put mm -hmm. you on a journey or enabled you to, you know, that just took you on a path that was different. And so being able to sort of focus some on those moments um, is is fascinating to me. I mean, I just mentioned Smoltz, and I think because I, you know, I just talked to him, I think we aired it this week or last week, and hearing him talk about, I know this is football, but just go with me no, for a second like on baseball. baseball. The first guy ever with 300 wins and 150 saves. And, okay, so we can say, that, like, great job. But hearing him talk about finishing a season with, I think it was 54 saves. I'm not as prepped right now, but, you know, over 50 saves. He said, I was so much more exhausted physically, mentally, 
finishing that than like when I was pitching 300 innings and had yeah. 20 wins or whatever. And so just talking, and I'd never heard, I never heard him or anybody else sort of talk about that difference from a real, yeah. really real place. And so that, I, I appreciate you saying I'm good at it, but I love. I love doing it. I doing find it, it so yeah. interesting, and 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 then get to know, you know, guys like you that I've been yeah. a, a fan of before, and we get to have a real conversation, and hopefully have a couple of laughs, and that's, uh, it's it's really fun for me. Well, I got a couple names for you here. Um, Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg worked in a mortuary and was a phone sex operator before she became Whoopi Goldberg. Brad Pitt worked at El Pollo Loco, dressed as a chicken. You should probably get him on. Uh, <laughs> Christopher Walken uh, was a lion tamer. And then you're not going to believe what Channing Tatum was. He was actually a stripper, so that could be an interesting one. Oh, really? I just, I just booked all your guests for this season. Wow. So, yeah, you well guys done. I appreciate Google. that. Google, Google. All right, a little bit of, of office backstory. Two-parter. One, you go into read for the part of stanley yeah. did you did you not get it because you weren't a middle-aged black man <laughs> and good that was a joke good everybody laughed and number there you go. two um there you go. do you know who else was up for the role of kevin and who obviously did not get it yes do you know well, no, uh, he's a prep no. guy. I've done my research. Okay. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, okay. Well, well done. First off, on <laughs> both on both on both parts, <laughs> I was for the for the socioeconomic level that I was at at the time. I was probably I was one of the first that had this was TiVo back then, right? So this is before you could tape anything at any time for as much as you wanted. And I had that because I wanted to watch. I felt like if I have an audition and I don't know what's the style of the show, what, you know, not just is it a comedy or drama, but like, is it like two and a half men or is it like The Office or like, you know, so like, what is the sensibility? And if I don't, if I don't know shows, so I spent a lot of time when I moved to Los Angeles, just watching television. And I found this British show called The Office. Then I heard that the office was happening here, and I went to my agent and manager at the time, and I said, "This is this is my show. This is this is it. I get this the the sensibility of this, and not only is this my show, but there's this character called Keith, um, who um, was the basis for this, this role of, of of Kevin Malone. Well, so I got an audition for Stanley." <laughs> and I knew that that was not the role. Who, by the way, in the British version, that he was not. To your part one of your question, he was not played by a middle-aged black man. Okay, he was uh, a white bloke. He was he was a white bloke. Uh, but I knew that that was not that was not it for me. So yeah. I went in and I read for Stanley as I was instructed to do. Uh, but I read it as though I was Kevin, and um. Yeah, it's just one of those gambles that now looking back, like I don't even know how I had the balls to do it if it was that preparation or or whatever. Uh, but it worked out. I left the room and I was like, "Well, fuck, that was stupid." But then the casting director like came running out and said, "Hey, we have this other role we want you to to look at." And um, then after some time, the rest is history. But um, so when Steve Carell left the show. 
uh, to answer your part two of the question was who else was was up. Um, the casting director, Allison Jones, unbelievable, legendary, tons of shows, Arrest Development, um, Curb Your Enthusiasm, The Office, blah, blah, blah. You were in Arrested Development. I was all over your IMDb today. I, I, I was a very small part. But I but like again, the dog like role Allison in Jones. CSI. And, That's and my I, favorite role is the dog role in CSI. Do you, do you, do you know what that was? No, I just, I, no, I don't watch Do you know, do you know what that was? This was, was this it? was, I believe, my first network appearance. Dog man. Man, <laughs> dog boy, man and dog. Yeah, that's what they had you as, dog yeah. man. Yeah, dog man. Do you know what that was? Do you know well, who that, what that was? What was it? Was it was an episode of CSI. <laughs> and I didn't even know what this was at the time. I wouldn't even consider myself sheltered. Do you know? It was furries? about Furries. Fur, furries. <laughs> Furbies, oh, Furby, furries. furries. No, Furbies are the is the the consumer craze from the early okay. aughts. Furries, yes, sexual gratification <laughs> amongst people wearing mascot outfits, basically. Like that was the deal. Whatever floats your boat. Hey, man, to each his own. Yeah. So I, who was going to be you. Kevin? Sorry about the furry sidebar. Um. So, oh God, I haven't thought about that in a long time. Uh oh. So Allison Jones came to me. Steve Carell was leaving, and we had a party. And she said, you know, I was looking through all my old notes and all my old, like, uh, keepsakes to find something cool to give to him uh, now that he's leaving about the audition process. She said, I, I didn't really find anything for him, but I found this for you. And she handed me this piece of paper, slightly yellowed, old piece of paper. It was typed, and it said on it, Kevin Malone. And I don't remember the or, or I don't remember the order, and I, I don't think it was by order, but it was one, two, three, and it was me. It was Eric Stone Street who went on to play and win Emmys for Cam in Modern Family. He's done really well for himself, and, and the third name was Jorge Garcia from Lost and a bunch of other shows. The big guy on Lost and a bunch of other shows as well. So, like, the cool thing about that is. Yeah, I know exactly who the last three were, and it kind of worked out for everybody, which yeah, I think is yeah. cool. Like yeah. in, in terms of our business, anyway, and maybe it's the same, you know, in in football. Like you know, oh, I ended up going to this team or that team, and but it all it all worked out. So one question I had for you about the tech, technical part of the show, which I think is so interesting, because as a guy who grew up hating laugh tracks, even as a child, like they were. Good for you. That's a barrier to entry for me. Even today with Seinfeld, and that makes me very unpopular amongst a lot of my friends, but I am not a laugh track guy. How aware were you as a cast that you guys were doing something different, and how different was it at that point to omit the laugh track, and do you think it changed the game a little bit because Parks and Rec and all these other uh, kind of the same kind of shows have, 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 have stuck without it? Well, no. I mean, it was a humongous deal. Um, there had been some shows that had not had a laugh track before, but nothing mainstream network-wise. So, like, yeah. it, you know, if if you were to say, like, what was what is well, and and Ricky Gervais from the English, uh, from the British version, uh, brings up this show having a huge influence. But the Larry Sanders show, which is an HBO comedy, which if you don't know it, it still holds up. It's really really funny. Um, with Gary Shandling and uh, Jeffrey Tambor, who obviously went on to Arrest Development. 
but in terms of network, yeah, it was it was not happening at the time, and so we knew, and not just our, for our show, not just the 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 lack of a laugh track, but also the way the show was shot with the camera moving around, it being a little jiggly. Yeah. You know, I mean, at the time, well, it, it it was documentary, and that's what we were supposed to be was like a documentary, so. You know, all of those things fit in, but we knew it would be difficult. But I'll tell you, from the from the second episode we shot, which was this little episode called Diversity Day, mm-hmm. I knew then. I re- remember it just so clearly sitting there, like in between shots, and saying, if people give this show a chance, I don't know if they will or not, but what we're doing something that's pretty unique and pretty freaking awesome. Yeah. Um, And, you know, both in terms of the content, like that we were talking about and joking about race, which, you know, you people say you can't do it today. You couldn't do it then either. I mean, you know, it had been, you know, all in the family was a show back that, you know, Archie Bunker was the, the show dealt with race quite a bit. And then it had been like 20, 20 some years and no one, like, you don't joke about that stuff. Right. Yeah. You don't joke about sexuality. You don't joke about, you know, um, sexual harassment. Like, you, there are all these things you can't touch. And, and, and the office did. And I just thankfully people gave it a chance. And now, obviously, it's, it's as big as ever. Well, with the comedy boundaries, and I'm glad you brought it up because I, I think. I think what makes the office okay and good is that you're not you're not celebrating the uh, idiocy if that's the word of Michael Scott you're like this guy is not who you want to be. Everyone's uncomfortable. Like, like I constantly yeah. think about Michael Scott as a boss now and I'm like very I'm very I'm very aware. I'm cognizant of the fact that like you can come across as an actual pig or an idiot yeah. and you can be totally you can be totally unaware of it and so like I think I think, you know, like I, I come at it from the other the other angles like, no, this stuff's good. And comedy's comedy. Like, I, I still think there's room to to push the boundaries. And and so, you know, I'm not looking for a retort there, but I, I just do. I, I, I think when I look at it from that standpoint, it's actually a cautionary tale that we can enjoy watching at the same time. It's like everything you're not supposed to do. Well, I don't know if you're researched or you're just real smart. But that, I mean, what you've just said is what I have said for a long time, which is not a research guy. Because people ask all the time, like, could this show happen today? Could, you know, and there have been some, some, some other actors who I think have been uh, quoted not entirely accurately in terms of saying the show couldn't be done today or blah, blah, blah. But yeah, what you just said is, is, is a version of what I always say, which is look, you have someone who says something that you quote unquote can't say you have someone who says something inappropriate or misogynistic or slightly racist or, uh, whatever. But, but the show then shows 16 people's faces telling you, you can't say that thing. (laughs) And so the idea that you can't say it is just really bizarre and confusing to me. I don't, it's reinforced. I don't understand. It's reinforced. That, and let me take one more big swing here. If we're looking at what makes The Office great, I think what makes The Office great is this fundamental relatability to the fact, and I don't know if it's disappointment or horror when you grow up and you realize that 
adults are just fucking children and everybody's crazy. And no matter what job you work at, whether it's this one, these guys like lamenting things I do or me going home and complaining about making to my wife or whatever. Huh? We're all, yeah, no, I didn't have done that in two days. So <laughs> it was a real estate deal. Okay. Um, he's a real estate agent on the side. Damn, Not on the one. side, in the front. Damn good. <laughs> so, so, I mean, like, I just feel like it's, it's the relatability of like, holy shit, this is adulthood. This is, this is a workplace. Like, yeah. I imagined so much more and finding some humor right. in it. You right. know, I, I think that's what makes it incredibly relatable to people. Because when you read the plot of the, the, the show, which I went back to do to jog my memory, there are some unremarkable things in that plot where you're just like, how are they going to make this entertaining? It's the, the guys and the gals doing the show, hitting it out of the park. It's the ingenuity of the production of the show, but it's also the relatability. What yep. makes the office to you great? That's what me, the consumer, says. What are you, what are you saying? Well, I mean, I think in a lot of ways, again, and I hate to say this, you you kind of hit the nail on the head. I think I, there's there's two other things that I would say. One is, you know, around the time of Diversity Day, when I was sitting there going like, God, if people just gave this a chance, there was a there there, there was a um, a factoid which I don't remember the numbers, but you'll get you'll get my my point. Which is there are that we would talk about on set, like can we can we hit enough people? Yeah. And 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 the information was something like there are two hundred million people in America who work in offices. So if ten percent, if five percent of those people find it relatable to them, we'll be a hit. Like yeah. we'll, we'll we'll stay on the air for a while. And that was what we talked about. What we didn't talk about, which is I think now why the show is what it is, is that the situation of a group of people managed by an unreasonable boss who put themselves in situations given their archetypes, that that, that situation is not really about workplace. It's also really about school. And you have an unreasonable teacher who makes you do unreasonable things, mm -hmm. gives you unreasonable assignments, behaves kind of weird, but and you're with a group of people in a room that you're stuck with that you don't choose to be with those people as well. And so that sort of universality and relatability to that, yeah. Yeah. I think, is why, which we were not, it was, that was unintentional. Yeah. But I think that that's why the show like went crazy again and why you know people are like my 12 year old my 13 year old my 16 year old like all the time are watching it from people who watched it you know when it was on um you know they're now having kids who are watching it to me um the sort of the the astronomical rise of the show is um due to um <laughs> i had a whole podcast based on this and this was a discovery that i made but the very last line of the show that was written by greg daniels who was the creator he wrote the last episode of the show and it, pam is clearly asked the question last line of the show is asked the question you know why would people want to make a documentary about people who work at a paper company and she says there's beauty in ordinary things. Isn't that kind of the point? And so I think that what Greg did and what the creators did, not the actors, the actors did 
their part and the other writers or whatever. But that it's funny that there's, you know, crazy situations that there are people who behave inappropriately and get judged for that or whatever. But ultimately, when you watch the show, when you watch three or four episodes in a row and you sort of put the sum total together, it's a celebration of ordinary people like me who are not on the cover of Cosmo. We don't live at, we don't go to Central Perk Coffee Shop in New York and live in an astronomically large apartment. We're ordinary people who are in Scranton, Pennsylvania, and sometimes we win, we win one. And that's really fun and cool. And I think that spirit is what makes people watch it when they say it brings them comfort, when they say they watch it before bed because, you know, they, they enjoy that yeah. feeling. I think, I think that celebration of ordinary people with small victories is, is what the show is about. That's so well put. Yeah. And uh, parting thought, you made me think about my, uh, my dad. We, we used to watch so much and say that's what she said so much <laughs> as teenage and like college boys that when we come home for a dinner, my dad was tired of it. He was tired of the that's what she said. <laughs> and so we had to devise a code word for that's what she said at the table, and it was bagel. <laughs> so, so for years, and now dad's in on the joke. And right. my dad will even offer up a bagel every once in a while. And I'll see the twinkle in his eye. Even he gets the office fundamentally. And I think, um, I think it's just amazing what you guys did. But you got to check out uh, Brian's podcast, which, of course, is off the beat. I was on it a little while ago, a couple weeks back. It feels like a long time ago. It was before the Super Bowl. We hope to get Brian to Charlottesville for an SMU game. We hope to see him in an yes. SEC game somewhere. Uh, but, but whatever you do, join us again, okay? This has been a lot of fun, dude. Uh, absolutely. Um, I, uh, I, I really, uh, appreciate both the research and the non-research, uh, that happens on, on green light. And, uh, got it all. I, I will be, I, I, yes, I'll, of course I'll come back. We'll talk Sick. some football when there's Let's more things that we can talk about. Let's do it. Saturday, November 3rd, 2024, SMU at Virginia. That's the bowl of the vineyard. November 3rd. Belts. 23rd, or the Saturday before Thanksgiving. Oh, the Saturday, right before my birthday. Oh. That's ooh. the, uh, that's the I'll, I'll sue you bowl. That's the, do you know what my dad does for a living bowl? <laughs> <laughs> Chris, Chris will put you up in the guest house. Yeah, I got a nice guest house for you, buddy. Really? Yeah, yeah, this is, it's a package trip, dude. Here's the thing. Can I have the main house and you sleep in the guest house? <laughs> hey, no problem, because I love sleeping in the guest house, dude. <laughs> I actually built an office that's not attached to the house. I consider it my house. I think I spend more time in there than I do in my house. My kids want to see me. they got to come up to the office. Uh, so what, you get to lay of the land, whatever you want, buddy. But right. uh, appreciate the time. Thanks, Thanks guys. Now we're going to talk about measurables and stat lines when it comes to uh, interior defensive linemen. Well, less so the measurables and stat lines. This week, the uh, the scouting com combine comes up. I guess I'll ask you first because you've been looking at all these guys. Bo, who's a guy that you cannot wait to see test? Oh, well, dude, I'm kind of obsessed with Byron Murphy right now. I think he's going to test. Let's just get that out of the way. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I I, I didn't want to like hit him first off. So that's I fucking think he is so twitchy, so explosive. He's really strong. I think he's going to test really well. One guy that I watched a lot of tape of 
who's tape didn't necessarily shine for me at times, but I think he's going to test really, really well as Miami D-tackle Leonard Taylor III. I'm very curious to see how he does at the combine because I think he kind of disappears at times on tape, but I think his measurables will be really good. He looks like he has very long arms, Chris, and we like that. Well, we know how important that is. And just as like a table setter, like we're going to talk about Byron Murphy. I'll get it out of the way as well. Like I, I love this guy. Like we, we we watched all these guys, and we were joking about now. Although you've watched multiple games in a row of mm. each guy, I can watch a guy for three minutes, and I'm not saying I'm sure, but you have a pretty good idea of whether you're going to like him or not. And Byron Murphy was like the third <laughs> or fourth guy that I watched, and I was like, oh, these other guys are in the same league. Like yeah. this guy is. He's everything the other guys are from a point of attack standpoint. I saw him anchoring double teams like he was 340, like he was Butter King out there. But he's also got the athleticism. So let's set the table here. We both agree that Byron's probably the best guy. But who else did you watch? Um, Well, I just want to comment on Byron Murphy really quick. I mean, not to get too far into the weeds with some of this technique talk, Chris, but the ability that he has to generate power and, like, kind of like explosiveness out of a two gapping stance is so impressed to me like he can penetrate out of a two gap stance unbelievably well and that you know we talk about like ankle flexibility dorsiflexion a lot as d lineman but like he can gain so much ground out of a two out of a two gap stance like a wide wide base yeah uh, and that's something i love to see from him like he can split double teams in the pass rush game like fucking aaron donald he's really violent with his hands he's got a really nice rip his counter moves are good too. Like I think he's a very, very pure player, great athlete, and you know Texas, you know they recognize that down at Austin because they had him like playing goal line and shit like that too, which was fun to watch. But you know what you're saying, like sometimes when you're watching tape, it can be a grind. This dude, I enjoyed watching all of his reps because he plays really hard too. Like I really like him as a player. Um, so he's he's one that I'm like, really excited to see. I think a lot of teams Six are very foot high one. on him. Six, Six foot, foot one, but one, which bro, is not a concern for me. In fact, I think no. that's a good thing. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know why even we even look at height for defensive tackles because it's all about arm length for any defensive lineman. I like right. like taller players. I'd stay away from them unless they have the length and the stride length at edge. You know, <laughs> at, at three technique and inside, yes, stride length is good, but it's all about leverage. And I just think like I watched him anchor on a double. I think it was yeah. just Rice. But this guy, the angles where he finds strength are so much different. The, the compromised body positions where he can anchor, yeah. the flexibility, it's just way different. And like I said earlier, like I watched the Jerzon Newton guy first. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's, he's a hype guy. Uh, what does he bring to the table that this Byron Murphy kid doesn't? And he's, he's more of your, your run-stopping kind of dude. Uh, this guy yeah. can stop the run. He's got active feet. That's one of the first things that jumped out at me, Bo, was how mm. quick and active his feet were transitioning from play action. Yeah, I actually agree with you a lot, Chris. I want to give Illinois coaching staff a quick shout-out because that's Brett Bielma, who I, I had at Wisconsin. And then the D coordinator – um, for the for Illinois is Aaron Henry, who I played with at Wisconsin, so I want to give him a little bit of love. But no, Jerzon Newton. So I watched a game uh, today, actually, of him playing the Badgers, and he got ejected at the end of that game because he murdered our quarterback, and it was like a target Yikes. call. It's, murder uh, will get you tossed. <laughs> murder will get you tossed. Figuratively murdered him on the tape. Yeah, I remember. But that. it was he had yeah. a really explosive sack. Um, 
I like Drazon Newton a lot. <laughs> I uh, so the difference between Drazon Newton <laughs> that reminds me of we had this uh, this this equipment manager Jimmy Lake who's like one of my best buddies and his kids came up through the ranks with the Rams and they were towel and ball boys. And after the game, they were like small, and they'd always come up to me after the game, and I'd be sitting there like naked at my locker, and they'd be like, nice sack. <laughs> you know, like, good play. <laughs> and it was yeah. like an inside joke with me and Jimmy that's like, but yeah, an explosive sack. Tell us more about that. Uh, <laughs> nice sack, Chris. I've been saying that for years. It just means a lot more coming from a kid, you know, because it's pure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, yeah, just hot Newton. Um, so I think he's uh, – the way they ask him to kind of do run stunts and blitz in uh, Illinois is a lot more, like, laterally than, yeah. what, you know, you usually want to penetrate more at the, in the NFL level. So I think – I don't think he's going to struggle with that at all because he is very explosive. He's got really good up-the-field burst. I think he's going to end up being a really good, um, you know, like a one-gap penetrating defensive lineman, like in a Jim Schwartz scheme, like what we played yeah. in Philly and what he's running uh, for the Browns. But he's a very different player, in my opinion, than Byron Murphy. Byron Murphy, in my opinion, is super versatile and can do it all. To me, Drazon Newton um, is much better at, uh, like I said, like gap penetrating, even though he wasn't asked, asked to do that uh, as much in college. Like, I think that's where his skill set is going to translate very well i think for me like he's really good uh he's got really good instinctive feel in the pass rush game which i like like his counters are good and his hands are very violent uh and that's kind of what makes him a really fun player to watch like he's got really good instinctive feel for like you know an o-lineman get top heavy when you can counter yeah uh, and things like that so i think he's he's a player again that's going to test really well at the combine too He's a pro. I mean, you can tell he's a pro. Yeah. I can see him starting any number of places and being really good on first and second down out of the gate. Um, yep. You know, but some of these guys stand out a little bit more. And the can one, I, you know, can I jump in with yeah. Jerzon? Jerzon has four brothers: Jervon, Jerquan, Jerwan, and Jershon. That's really good. That's Which. Sad. I think is top half of the first round. Yeah, I think, I think you, so. You know what we call that in the scouting world, Macon? What, what's that? Intangibles. 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 That's exactly <laughs> right. And Jerzon is currently mocked uh, 13th to the Las Vegas Raiders. Byron okay. Murphy, 27th to the Arizona Cardinals. Bro, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. If, if you, I mean, like, listen, I, these things, we're always wrong about this stuff. So this is a very preliminary look at these guys. We could change our minds before April. And but, the mock drafters will, too. And the mock drafters will, too. But, but Byron Murphy should be picked ahead by some distance of all these guys. I agree. But what, where I'd like to see Jerzon Newton is, like I said, Jim Schwartz defense in Cleveland, Shelby Harris and Mo Hurst contracts are up, and I think that that's a perfect scheme fit for him. And one thing I want to point out about him is this motherfucker played like – I'm watching this tape. He played upwards of 70 snaps in certain games. Like, he's kind yeah. of a workhorse, man. Like, he played a lot of reps at a very shit. high level in Illinois. And, like, I like to see that. Like, in, you know, Byron Murphy in Texas, like, they have two D tackles. Obviously, the other one's Sweat. Is a very different player than Murphy. And we can talk about him in a moment. But those dudes aren't playing 70 snaps a game because they're not asked to do that. They're playing, like, you know, 30 to 40 snaps a game. Well, that Sweat guy, he can't play 40 snaps a game. But, like,. <laughs> But the sweat guy, I cannot wait to see test. I mean, I threw on his highlights, and I was like, holy shit. Now, I've watched him, and Stanford Steve has been obsessing over these guys for mm -hmm. forever. But, you know, to watch him get in a stance, you can really tell how much space he, he takes up. And he's not um, a bump on a log. 
Like this no. motherfucker can move a little bit and he can move bodies. He's going to find himself a really nice role early on because he is differentiating. That size is differentiating. There aren't a lot of guys like that. He's 6'4", 365, man. He's built like Vita, who I played with in Tampa. And I mean, I've, I was very, I'm always very curious to watch these big nose guards, you know. And, and don't yeah. get me wrong, like Tavondre Sweat from Texas is incredibly productive. He had, you know, 45 tackles, eight TFLs, two sacks, and four passes defended, and a fucking receiving touchdown for Texas. Uh, but I'm always curious to watch these big-ass nose guards against teams like Alabama, you know what I mean? Because those are like pro style offenses pro. with big yeah. mauling offensive linemen, and I'll be honest, like I wasn't as impressed with Sweat's tape against Alabama hmm. uh, as I was with his gameplay, like against uh, Washington in the Sugar Bowl. Like he played right. really, really well in that game. So I think he's just a little bit accustomed to beating up on smaller offensive linemen in like zone running schemes. Whereas yeah. like when he, because he can just abuse them with his strength, with his size and his power. And so I'm concerned that he might struggle at times against, uh, you know, larger offensive linemen in the NFL that kind of are more accustomed to seeing players of his size and caliber. I'm, I'm interested to see how that unfolds. But I see him as like a really, really good, um, you know, first and second down nose guard, two gapper, um, you know, a team, like Bron uh, a team like the Broncos, the Titans, or the Cardinals who kind of run a lot of odd scheme and need like big bodies up front. Like I think he'd pair really well with Jeffrey Simmons, kind of, you know, gets him in some, you know, some more single blocks and things like that. Uh, I mean, but Sweat is a big body, and he's a load to handle in the middle of that. There's a guy I sure. think that would play really well in a two-gap scheme and as an end and has some versatility, and you might even know who I'm going to say, but Chris Jenkins. Um, he's got a really pro-ready body. He plays with his hands. He, he seems like a guy who can move up and down the line. His measurables are more of a you know a tweener between a you know a three technique and a three four end, but you know guys that can still do that two gapping stuff are valuable. Yep, from Michigan. Yeah, the Michigan kid. Hey, yep, how about I, terminology? Back in my day, it was defensive ends and defensive tackles, and now we're edge and IDL and interior defensive linemen. Do you all think that that's a, a good evolution? Ah. <sighs> If I may. Tomato, tomato, man. Hmm, okay. Tomato, tomato. Because it's up to these scouts to, to apply their sensibilities to whatever schemes they run. Because I know one of Bo's favorite defensive tackles is defensive end Darius Robinson I know. out of Missouri. I know. I know. We gotta talk about, <laughs> this is a little bit of a fast forward to our edge day. But – but this guy was interesting to look at. Yeah, so I like Darius Robinson a lot. He's exactly what you're talking about, Macon. Um, you know, it's a matter of semantics. So he played a lot on the uh, edge for Missouri, but I actually see him projecting really well as a three technique. Um, he's really long. Like, he's six. He's 6'5", 296, but he's got a big enough frame where, like, you could put 15 to 20 pounds on him and have him, like, play three technique. He's got a lot of experience actually playing like four technique and four eye. I watched against, I watched him against the um, against Tennessee, and they kind of uh, the Missouri defense played a lot of like bear looks, and he was playing uh, four eye, and he actually had like really I like his hands a lot. Like he's yeah. got pretty good hands in the run game, um, but the reason I like him like off the edge. He's pretty violent, man. Like he was fucking up uh, guards coming back across in gap scheme, or else like you know when teams run. Um, split zone where they bring the tight end back on the end. Like he was murdering tight ends and some of the other games Figured I watched. 
murdering them figuratively making yes got it uh, but i think the thing that's attractive about darius robinson is like he fits in well for four three gap penetrating schemes and also he has a lot of two gapping experience as well like i could see him being like a Derek wolf type player um mm-hmm. you know and, you know when Derek was in uh baltimore but he's so he's got a lot of versatility i think teams can find attractive and and like dude he's a good athlete man like he he's got a lot of power he does kind of like you know the old like bowl to like inside counter uh carlos like a, dunlap Yes. No, I'm yes. not saying he's Carlos Dunlap because Carlos is pure edge, right? A little bit. I mean, he's just not as, you know, like athletically, he's not a twitchy three. Like, I feel like you got to have a certain amount of twitch and foot yeah. mobility to play inside where things are happening faster. This guy's kind of in between. I think his feet are a little slower. Like, I don't think he's like a pick him up, put him down guy. I think he's a little bit stiff in the bottom half. Um, but I will say the same things that jumped off to you jumped out to me pretty quickly. And looking at the guy in pads, yeah. like this guy is winning the fucking eye test. Um, Get him off the bus first, baby. That, yeah, he carries that 286 really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I, I mean, I like him a lot as a player. I'm very inter- interested to see where, you know, if NFL scouts have him projected as more of an, you know, an edge guy or an IDL guy uh, making like, I think, I think honestly, I think he could do both. And that's, that's an attractive quality to have to have experience playing inside and outside at a high level is a good thing coming out of college. There's a guy I'm wondering if you guys know much about the Michael Hall kid from Ohio State, number 51. I actually think, and when you talk to some people in the Big Ten, they like him better than than maybe Jerzon Newton, depending on who you talk to, like um, Michael Hall, a little bit undersized to play zero and one, but that's where they had him. Um, probably more of a three technique. He's really young, which I think is a good thing. Do you think like being a younger guy getting drafted, like you get yeah. drafted at 23, like I got drafted at, like that's one thing, but when you get drafted at 20, 21 years old, I feel like that's a, that's a really high ceiling proposition for a team. You never know how much this guy's gonna develop. Look at Fletcher Cox, man. Fletcher and I were he? like, I think Fletch got drafted when he was 20 or 21. I remember being in like my rookie or second year and being like, what the fuck? This dude is like nine months older than me. What is going on? Yeah. And he's he's yeah, in yeah. his fifth year. Yeah. Uh, I actually, I think that that, um, that bodes well, Chris, because those guys are young. They've got more shelf life. They're a little more raw. You know, you can kind of mold them as a D-line yeah. coach into whatever you want. Uh, I gotta, I gotta watch some more tape on Michael Hall though, because he's definitely an intriguing prospect. He's intriguing. He's definitely a gap penetrator. Yep. Probably a three technique and uh, somebody who can get skinny a little bit. And he's got good lateral quickness, but he's got to work on his hands. I think. Um, Fletch was twenty-one. Yeah. So 21. you know, being young, I mean, I, I think Robert Quinn was pretty young when he was drafted as well. Like, there's, there's just a whole host of guys. Um, that you see that happen with that you're like, man, the youth is a real thing because if you're talking about somebody's career and you're going to sign this guy to a second contract and the whole thing, like you don't realize how close that ledge is sometimes in your late 20s. And, you know, if you can nab this guy to a second contract at 24, it's like, all right, you know, that helps. Um, mm-hmm. Who else did you look at? So speaking of young players, Chris, I mentioned him earlier. Uh, this is a projected day one guy. I think I'm not sure if that's going to happen or not. Honestly, uh, I might need to ask around the league for that. But uh, I mentioned him earlier, Leonard Taylor, the third from Miami. I think he's pretty raw. Honestly, I think he'll test really, really well. But 
Between us, like he doesn't, he's inconsistent well, on tape at times. Between us between and everybody us? listening. Between us, no, this is just the three of us having a very in-depth <laughs> conversation about defensive linemen. Um, so I watched his game versus Clemson. It's weird, man. Like he's very athletic, but he's got like he kind of like gets off late at times, and he also like has those low hands. Some, you know what I mean? Um, yep. Where like he doesn't really protect his chest very well, and sometimes it feels like he's just sorting through you know, different blocking schemes from the offensive line. I think, to me, that's a testament to, like, just his – some of his, like, youth and inexperience. Um, so I think he's more of a project. I see him as, um, you know, definitely a one-gap uh, D lineman. I think he's a project as a two-gapper, but he has that kind of ability. Like, he's got long arms, and he's very violent with his hands at times. He needs to be a lot more consistent with his hands to, like, you know, keep alignment off of him. Uh in both the pass rush and, uh, you know, in the run game. But I think he's a pretty intriguing prospect, man. I'm, I'm curious to see what teams think of him. Um, I, I don't know. I think he'll be like round, I don't know, like three to five maybe unless he tests through the roof. I, I It's it's interesting. Well, now just between the three of us, I don't think anybody cares about guys <laughs> who are going to get drafted that late. We can save that talk for later. Um, well, the mock I just quoted was two days old from PFF. Daniel Jeremiah, our good bud, did a mock six days ago. He has only one IDL being drafted in the first round, and that is Byron Murphy, 16th to Seattle. That feels good. That feels good. Yeah. I feel like we know what we're, we're looking at then because DJ is pretty solid on this stuff. Okay, so we're going to do a position group a week every Monday. Can I give uh, you the top three names from the IDL group? Yeah. Three, Tavondre Sweat. Two, Makai Wingo. One, Rook Ororo. Oh, that's Clemson. a really good name. When he tells people how to say his name, you say, row, row, row your boat. Oh, Rook Ororo. Oh, that's good, man. Yeah. Look out for him. Yeah, that's intangibles. Um, guys, <laughs> this is my favorite part of our Monday bow spot, which is where we, I give you guys homework on one college football topic every week. The homework this week that was passed out was pitch a 2024 road trip for the gentleman in this room. And maybe some of the gentlemen not in this room. The green light team, where should we go on the college football map and when in 2024? All right, boys. We call this a taste of the American Midwest. Mm. You know, put yourselves forward in time a little bit to September 7th. We're going to fly into beautiful Iowa City, Iowa. We're going to check out Iowa, Iowa State at Iowa, okay? It, you know, high-powered offense expected to be uh, down there in Iowa City with an offensive coordinator change. We're going to enjoy this. It's a pretty big rivalry, you know, between Iowa State and Iowa. And we're going to wave to the uh, the children in the Children's Hospital. That's right. With the rest of the Hawkeyes. It's a pretty yep. great tradition, honestly. Yep. Um, and uh, that's after the first quarter. We're going to wave to them. We're going to enjoy this rivalry game. We're going to you know, I like Kinnick Stadium. I played there a bunch of different times. It's a really good time. After that game, we are going to jaunt on up north on 35 to beautiful Minneapolis. You know, just about four and a half hour car ride. We'll let Macon run the ox. I think that'll be fun for us. And uh, we're going to purify ourselves. And you don't know what running the ox means? <laughs> did you hear me? Or did you read my lips? I read your lips, brother. Does that mean I'm driving? No, you're you're on I mean, you're you on the, the you're on the on the tunes, oh, the baby. Have you been the outside? The aux cord, aux cord. Yeah, yeah. More of a Bluetooth yeah. guy these days, but yeah. All right. Yeah, okay. it's just a 
It's figure of speech. Yeah. Do- what was I when thinking you, of? When you say dial me up, you, you don't get a rotary phone. <laughs> Nas. <laughs> Is Nas a thing? Like Nas, nitrous yeah. oxygen? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we can get furious. some Nas for the car. You want to hit some whippets in the car right up? Oh, yeah. uh-huh. Going all the way to Minneapolis. Chris is trying to curb that Zen, uh, you know, craving. We can just hit some whippets instead. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we're going to go on up to Minneapolis. We're going to enjoy some beautiful home cooking for my lovely mother, big time listener of this podcast. We're just going to hang around Minneapolis for a couple of days. It'll be awesome. I'll show great you guys city. this house I'm building, a lot of great lakes. We can do some stand-up paddle boarding. Uh, get out there in the water lakes and possibly a house that you're remodeling you guys aren't invited to the home (laughs) Bo, did you know my license plate is literally minneapolis no i did not know that yeah yeah because we won the national championship did you just dox yourself well uh, there's some numbers too but it's uh, all right i got a real i'm not quite done chris god i'm not quite done what else are we gonna do in minneapolis go to the prince museum uh we can but on Friday, which will be the 13th of September, we're going to get Uh-oh. in a car. We'll give Chris the ox this time. And uh, we're going to drive straight east to lovely Madison, Wisconsin. We'll get there just in time to enjoy a beer and some live music at the Memorial Terrace overlooking Lake Mendota. It'll be awesome. Oh, also, I made us a dinner res that night at Tornado oh, Room downtown at <laughs> Madison. Uh, well, we'll have a couple old fashions. And uh, go over to the college club, the KK, as it's affectionately referred to, which is kind Yikes. of the athlete yeah. bar. It's very grubby. And then uh, finish off that night with some Ian's Pizza at like 2 a.m. Wake up 10 a.m. Saturday morning, Saturday the 14th, okay, and start getting some Bloody Marys because Alabama is going to play Wisconsin at Camp Randall Stadium. Oh, that is a big fucking in. game, Chris, okay? I, now I'm in. To be with my people for a day, you know. Right? Come on now. I am. Kev, to be with our people. There are people. So that's I, okay. my pitch. All right, we got lakes. Okay, we that's got a one lot pitch. of driving. Don't save that's it, the American and then we'll Midwest say which you, pitch baby. we like at the end. Bo, I appreciate the Iowa Bo, City that call. Your motion yeah. has been, uh, I don't know. Tabled. What Tabled. Yeah. Tabling okay. your motion. That's my Okay, pitch, I got boys. one. I'll start with my best trip. Uh, Neyland Stadium boat trip. Okay, Ooh. Knoxville, Tennessee, five hours, 14 minutes from Charlottesville. I've always wanted to go to Neelan. I want to join the Vol Navy, okay? Yeah. There's nothing that I've ever wanted to join more than the Vol Navy, man. Boats, rivers, outside a football stadium, tailgating. Are you fucking kidding me? The color orange, like just everything about it seems awesome to me. I don't know when you sign up or like who I have to write to like be enlisted in the Vol Navy, but I would like to enlist us all in the Vol Navy for a day tailgate on the Tennessee River I have written here and in parentheses and maybe never enter the game um, <laughs> so like we don't even need to go to the game I just want to get on one of those boats uh, but if we do go to the game there's a few games that we could look at possible October dates 12. Saturday October 12th UF you got it you figure that's a night game yeah so that that's the trip because if that's a night game it's still hot we could be on the boats at 6 a.m. I'll get a fucking houseboat. We can sleep there the night before. But if we don't sleep on the boat the night before, or if we want to go out after the game, uh, we need to go to Token. It is a black-lit bar where you can play video games and get buzzed. You can play you know, pinball, all types of retro games while you drink. They have really cool cocktails, uh, and it's totally trippy in there. And then on top of that, I'm going to tell you about a little place called Bernadette's 
crystal garden. Okay, Whoa. it's forty-five thousand pounds of crystals. You've got an amethyst lounge. You have a quartz room. You have a rooftop gems, gemstone garden. Uh, a great place to enjoy the edibles of this earth. Hmm. Um, and also another place that we'll go that will remind me that Charlottesville is so far behind. I mean, like we don't have any of this stuff here. So I can't wait to go to Knoxville, uh, September twelfth for UF. I didn't even look to see if the Titans play the next day but the titans could play the next day you know maybe we go to the titans game you had me at gem rooftop chris gemstone rooftop you got the stars twinkling above you got the gems twinkling around you come on yeah, dude you say the healing powers of that place <laughs> yeah. must be incredible i had a foursome of stadiums i'd like to hit okay that i have not hit them camp randall okay death valley at lsu okay Folsom yep. field that's Colorado. on my list too. We got to go to Colorado and Neyland Stadium. Now October twelfth, you you got it. Florida at Tennessee. Also October twelfth, K State at Colorado. So if the two games are not at the same time, I know you really want to probably hunker down and enjoy your. Well, no, but I, I I also have I also have Saturday August thirty first where it's going to be hot as all get out as we say in the Vol Navy. Uh, and we're going to be playing Chattanooga. Uh, but the prob- problem with that is probably going to be a noon game, so not as much tailgate. Maybe we just don't go into the game. Or Kent State, September 14th, um, night game preferable once again. But it's like I want it to be hot there, and they say that in Colorado, in Boulder, the best month is October. I want it to be hot in Oxford, Mississippi, and I want Ole Miss's season to still be on track. So they have a landmine at LSU. I'm going to go September game. Ole Miss hosting Kentucky. Kentucky football has kind of always bothered me, you know, just round peg in a square hole. But Ole Miss hosting Kentucky, mostly for the Grove than anything else. Mm -hmm. And uh, Ole Miss is hosting Oklahoma and Georgia. But that's late in the season. I want them to be unbeaten. I want it to be hot. I want, you know. Yeah, I want to get the full Grove experience. I want sweaty balls at the Grove. Mm, September. Yeah. Um, I got one. Okay. September 7th, we could fly up to Michigan to the big house, see them take on Texas. Yeah. Huge game. And then since we'll have Kevin with us, we can drive down to Chicago, catch the Cubs versus the Yankees, then head to St. Louis, catch the Cardinals versus the Reds. We can go hang out at the Hill, play a little boche, see some of your previous stomping grounds. Do you mean bocce? They call it boche there. And then head to Kansas City for some barbecues, some museums, and then keep going. Colorado Springs, get some hiking in, get to meet our dude Hidetora Hanada, sumo wrestler turned D-tackle as they take on Colorado on the 14th. This is 20 hours of driving. <laughs> that's, that's really well thought out. Um, the two baseball games seem pretty terrible. No, they sound <laughs> fine to me. No, you're, you're wrong. Yeah, you're wrong. you're wrong. That'd be fantastic. See the Yankees at Wrigley Field. I hate Wrigley, but I respect the... You hate Wrigley? Oh yeah, it's terrible. You don't hate Wrigley. I like Wrigley's I delightful. Like sitting, I like the game. Uh huh. I don't like that it's there. The, yeah, it, it, the Cubs don't deserve that field. You, you think the White Sox deserve that field? Nobody, the White Sox don't deserve anything. So you like the field? I love to the, the field. Point that I don't think... like the. You're just a Southsider. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> All right. So, so I got a little something. I got a nice. Okay. We fly into Vegas. Yeah. Oh, no, okay. no, 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 Hey, hey, no. I know it's too soon. Don't take me I too, know soon. It's too soon. We hit up the LSU-USC game September 1st. I, 
Okay, I'm listening. Okay, but here, this is where it changes. We're going to kill two birds with one stone. We're going to train hop and go to the Michigan-Texas game. Mm. Okay. Holy shit. As soon as the Mich- Michigan-Texas game is over, we're on our own. You got to get back the way you need to get back. <laughs> so, so you can't take a flight. You could take a train. You can't rent a car. And you got to leave your phone. No phones. No phones. No phones. Oh. And whoever gets back. Gets, gets back to Charlottesville back. first? Yeah. Oh, that's pretty good. I, I always think an amazing race type situation, I win. That's where I think. Rather go to the baseball games. Well, <laughs> I think it's a great idea. And I love the train. You had me at train hopping. You know, that's something I want so to do. So from Vegas to Ann Arbor, have you looked you at the CSX there? to see if we can get there? I haven't. I haven't. Um, I came okay. up with that while I was sitting. I got another one. And we can train hop here. It was. Go ahead. Montana. The Grizzlies, man. You know I got a homestead up there. We could stay at the lake. We could, we, okay. That'd be awesome. Grizzly Stadium, 3190 above sea level, largest on-campus stadium in FCS that participates for the playoffs. I think Yale has 61K, but they don't participate in the playoffs. Um, this is 26472 uh, is what they got for the North Dakota State opener in 2015. So it's a good crowd. And the Grizz hold on, are t- hold on, hold on. Yale has a stadium for 60,000 people. What? They don't fill that. No, they don't. Okay. Uh, the Grizz are 233 and 35 at home since the stadium was built. That's a pretty fucking Believe good. It. No, I'd like to see what's what's what the magic sauce is. Um, they're undefeated at home in 12 of their seasons. Uh, their rivals are Montana State. They they hail from Bozeman and Idaho. They play for that little brown stein every other year. The stadium's gorgeous. It's right off the Cl- the Clark Fork River. Which, of course, that's where I took Bo Allen fly fishing. Ryan Rosillo has also fly fished on the Clark Fork. Um, and if we look at the October 12th homecoming game against NAU, which is northern Arizona, we can enjoy temps of 58 uh, as highs on an average at that time of year and sit on the east side of the stadium, which gets most of the sun. But you wouldn't be able to see Mount Sentinel on the east side, so maybe pack some 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 warm clothes and we can see the big M up in the mountains. We got hit Stockman's. That's the first bar I ever went to in my entire life in Missoula. I was 18. I went to this bar called Stockman's. I also went to a strip club that night called Moulin Rouge where my friend fell in love with a stripper named Felony. I don't <laughs> think she works there anymore. I think the place is out of business, but we can see what's what, what, what's what they're doing in that building now. Stockman's actually lays sod for a couple weeks of the year inside the bar. So you just walk wow. around in the grass. So maybe we could time that up. You touch um, some grass, Chris. You touch some grass. Uh, and some grass is legal in Montana. So I think we just need to get up to a UM, UM game. That's my pitch. I think that'd be delightful. This was a very interesting exercise in the age of uh, conference expansion. Yeah. I think there are yeah. a couple really silly games. For instance, Southern California going to College Park, Maryland makes me laugh it's every time I look at it. Ever. And Stanford will be traveling traveling to Syracuse to face the. That's the second stupidest shit ever That's this just season. A gross game. Can I pitch? Gross. Can gross. I pitch Wait, one I got more one before. more pitch. Yeah, oh, sorry, yeah, Chris, and ahead. then we'll vote. No, I just it's a short pitch. We had my, Steve my, Belichick on last week. Bro, I was guy. gonna say Michigan at Washington, October fifth. How about? That, oh, well, oh, well. I pray a rematch. Here's what I pray that the Bills go to Seattle October 6th because we don't know when, but the Bills are going to Seattle. Yep. I would love to center a trip around us going to Seattle for a, a Bills game, do the show from Seattle from, from some fucking coffee shop or the, the live show in the fish market, <laughs> right? And we got to dodge like halibut and yeah. break down the games. 
uh, the day before. If it times up, we can go see Steve at UW. Halibut is a classy fish, Chris. Yes, it is. It's like 34 <laughs> bucks a pound. <laughs> LSU. We once said that on, uh, on um, Iron <laughs> Chef or what movie yeah. we were on. Yeah. With Gordon Ramsay. No, yeah. it was uh, Hell's Kitchen. Hell's Kitchen. Wow. It's a little throwback joke for, for the boys. They actually, that actually made the show. I was pretty tickled by that. LSU hosts. This is a LSU hosting Alabama year, which is just to set it and forget it. You know? Yeah, we gotta go. We'll, uh, yep, yep. So we're gonna be going on Tuscaloosa. All right, make your pitch. This is the last pitch, and then we'll have guys close their eyes and hold up a one no, through you, five. You kind of, you kind of got my pitch, man. Michigan at Washington, October fifth. I was saying Steve Belichick took that video. He panned his camera right over to Lake Washington. Mm-hmm. You love to see it, man. You got the it's Cascade Mountains. It's a bay. Hey. We got a geography major. What's the over difference here. between hey 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 Bo? What's the difference between a bay and a sound? Can't hear a bay. Well, I was fucking knew that was coming. Son of a bitch. I made that shit up. Gotcha, the other day, bro. He wrote that. All right, so here's the deal. It's a popsicle stick joke. Everybody, close their eyes and get ready to hold up fingers, one through five. All right, I'm going to start with. Can you uh, vote for yourself? Yeah, but uh, yeah, of course. Okay. My eyes are already closed. Okay. Whatever Bo said the first time about going up to Wisconsin and Minnesota and uh, and uh, hold up a some lot fingers. of driving. Okay. Out of five. Hold up some fingers. We're, we're voting out of five. Is All right. anybody looking though? Matt's not even holding up his fingers. He's just. <laughs> Everybody said one. <laughs> hey, who did you open your eyes? Uh, I'm the one who's got to orchestrate. Oh, okay. Because how would anybody know who's voting okay. for what? Well, that's Fuck. yeah, I know. Okay. Fuck you guys. And then and then the second trip was, Neilan boat trip. Okay. Just for Florida, right? For Florida. Getting some threes and fours here. Kevin's not holding up any fingers. He's just meditating or sleeping. I, what? <laughs> I thought we only hold up when we got a vote. Uh, you, you, this Break, is a vote. It's one up to five. Five's the best. Okay. Oh. Keep your eyes closed. <laughs> wow. I, I right. didn't get, Do kneeling. My bad. Do kneeling. Close your eyes. Do kneeling. Kneeling is. Okay. Interesting. Um, okay. The third trip that we talked about was Matt's trip, which was to go all over the country. Scale starts at one, yeah? Yep. Okay. Okay. <laughs> he held up two for his own trip. All right, <laughs> Aiden's young. He's got no family. He's got a three up because he can he can afford to leave for three weeks and ride a... <laughs> all right, how about Kevin's trip where we have to make it back to Charlottesville without... I, I kind of like this one. I do, too. Everybody's just, holding up a lot of fingers. I don't like neutral site non-con in just soulless places That's like okay. Vegas. This is a, this one. I mean, might if be I gotta sell it, it's in right Vegas. Now. I mean, yeah. There's a lot. To Even do. if we cut the Vegas trip sell out, it for the Michigan. I know. I know. That, I know. I, I was hesitant again, to but. say it. I was there. I get it. All right. So what's so what's the last trip? I'm forgetting. Montana trip. Montana trip. All right. Close your eyes. Who are they playing though? I never heard an opponent. Missouri State, the opener, or Northern Arizona is probably okay. Can I get a date? Um. October. Macon, Northern Arizona. Uh, Lumberjacks. Lumberjacks. So people are kind of keen on going to Montana. People are keen on going to Montana. People are keen on going to Michigan. And people are keen on going to Tennessee. The, that's that's what came out of this. Thing. Macon, I thought you wanted to go to Camp Randall. There's no one better to go with than your boy. 
I don't disagree, but how about Wisconsin hosting Penn State on October the 26th? I like conference games. What a, if I want to go watch Alabama, I want to do it in the in the. What deep about south. when they start going jump around and then you got to jump and you break both your legs? No, no, no. Jump. I'll jump around. Oh. I jump. <laughs> I do jump. I jump at sporting events. He just snaps both his legs. <laughs> no, we're gonna bulk him up. He'll be all right. Yeah, all I'll right. be fine. Okay. Well, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk amongst ourselves, Bo. And uh, maybe one of these trips will become a reality. But more than anything, thank, thank you for your diligent work on college football. Yeah, a lot of tape to watch. It was fun watching these young D tackles, man. Got to tell you. Got to tell you. Well, I got to tell you, we're going to be back later in the week uh, for, uh, for the Freak Show with a whole gang of meatheads and weirdos. Talk uh, about explosive sacks. You should honestly, can, can I do something here? I have a, a production text for the Thursday show where I said, hey, guys, bring ideas for what you want to talk about in the show. Can I read you some of the things that Kyle and Nate text? Is it cool for girls to zen? Only if you're Swedish. Kyle said, nobody has discussed these transatlantic airlines going 800 airspeed, but we'll be late by Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the professionalism on the tail end. Uh, also, we talked about the Ayatollah in Antarctica. What are some other strange military outposts historically? Like, did the Chinese have any African outposts in the 19th or 18th century? That yeah, would come Kyle, from let me add that to the rundown right away. Um, okay. Hold on. This is a good one, too. Um, like to go watch Army Navy because I support the troops. Nate sent a photo I'll, I'll, I'll of a transparent you. I toilet. I you. Yeah, Nate. Nate just sent a photo of a toilet that's that's transparent. No, like discuss or anything like that could be <laughs> talked about this coming Thursday. Um, and then I got a I got a graphic with the NBA's highest paid mascots, um, <laughs> as well as leap year babies. When it isn't the leap year, do you celebrate on the twenty eighth of February or the first of March? There's a fun segment there. <laughs> Chris, I have one more topic. This came in yesterday. This is from Kyle. They're monuments that were never built for people. AI generated them, and he's wondering what our monuments would look like. This is actually, actually not, like that. That's actually not the worst <laughs> one in the world. Uh, so this is just a preview of what you might find on the free show Thursday. Oh, this is my favorite one. Today at 10 a.m., Kyle, hard at work sent me a tweet that says, Olympus Mons, located on Mars, is the second tallest mountain and largest volcano of any planet in the solar system. It's a shield volcano, and it roughly covers an area of 300,000 kilometers squared. How are we going to talk about that, Kyle? <laughs> well, I think we just did it. <laughs> Basically, I'm in a group text with a bunch of old people who have Instagram. They're just sending me fucking <laughs> Instagram posts. This is not how you produce a show, guys. Hopefully there's more by Thursday. Join us for the Freak Show. Y'all take care. Take care. Yeah, you're the talk I'm getting. I'm gonna bite you with my friend.